Today's episode is brought to you by StarCast 4. Coming to Baltimore, if you haven't already, pick up your tickets right now at StarCast.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com. And Baltimore is the place to be this November 7th through the 10th. We're going to get things kicked off on the 7th with Tony Schiavone's birthday bash. I can't believe the timing. We've got a, uh, a roast of sorts, if you will, at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And the best crab cakes in the world. You don't want to miss it. Right after that, it's all about karaoke. And Friday, man, we moved to Ram's Head Live and we really get things kicked off. We've got 10 plus stage shows this year at Ram's Head Live that'll all be on Fight. You can pick up that right now at fight.tv. But Friday is really dedicated to AEW. You'll get a peek behind the curtain with the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and John Moxley. You don't want to miss it. But our main event. For the first time, maybe ever, a public appearance from Jim Crockett. That's right. The Jim Crockett and his brother, David Crockett, will be there as well. You don't want to miss it. Saturday, it's all about the legends of professional wrestling, including the great Muda on stage telling his story for the very first time, albeit with the help of a translator. And how about photo ops, man? We got those out the wazoo, including unique ones you can't get anywhere else. Sting in the red, white, and blue that he wore when he won the world title and the actual world title he won that night. Pick up all of this this Friday at noon for 50% off. That's right. Use the promo code JR this Friday at noon at starcast.com. You could save 50% off. Make plans to join us for Starcast 4 in Baltimore at STARRCAST.com and save a boatload of cash this Friday at noon using our promo code JR. Yes, indeed. It is slobber knocker time every Thursday. I'm going to JR Jim Ross. I hope you join. The pod father Conrad Thompson and I every Thursday for grilling JR. If you're not listening, I'll find your promotional considerations paid for by the following. Oh, 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 ah, 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 beta, disapproved, ah, 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 ah. Uh, hello, I am C-3PO, Human Sideboard Relations. On behalf of the mighty Jabba, we are here to tell you about BoxerGimmicks.com with new items each week. It's the official store of what happened when, something to wrestle with in 83 weeks. Log on and get your gimmicks. Uh, I recommend you do it uh, quickly before Jabba here gets upset. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. Yes, I was just kidding to that. We also would like to tell you that patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. If you want to be a, a low-key big hog or glass bottom boat rider or member of the Hot Tech Express or Slapdick Nation, join Conrad Thompson and Tony Schiavone with bonus podcasts, behind-the-scenes videos, live weekly chats, and new content each week. Yes, I was just getting to that. Um, the Mighty Jabba would also like to express his kindness to Lois. He is such a big fan and has much respect for the great and mighty Lois. He would encourage you to go on to loisrules.com and to buy t-shirts to help support her and her habits, if you will. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, I was just getting to that. Starcast 4. Starcast is coming to Baltimore November 7th through the 10th as part of Full Gear Weekend. For more information, go to starcast.com. We hope to see you there. So does the mighty Jabba. Thank you for your time. And remember, may the Force be with you. Bah! Dosoia! Botoroto! But no, your mighty Jabba, I was just meaning as a, as, a, as a goodbye. Yes, please don't hurt me. <laughs> Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of our childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Conrad, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Man, I can't believe we're here. You and I are back for another edition of WHW Monday. If you're not listening on Monday, what are you waiting on? Go to patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday and find out what you've been missing out on little extra bonus action talking to Tony Schiavone every month, some bonus episodes. It's like a little family over here on Patreon, isn't it? We are families. What we are, we are, you and I are our brothers. And then of course we have our brothers who are our Patreons, and we have our brothers and sisters who listen to us on a weekly basis on Wednesday when we drop in. I'm pretty excited about this because, and the reason I, uh, a number of reasons, one of the main reasons is that. It's been a few weeks since you and I watched a show together. We had uh, Tony uh, returns to TNT a couple of weeks ago and then asked Tony anything last week. And so it's been about three weeks now since you and I have watched a show together and we're going to watch a pretty good one. We are Halloween Havoc 1994 uh, and we're doing it on the uh, 25 year anniversary today, which is uh, October 23rd, 1994. And that's freaking unbelievable to think about the fact that this is 25 years ago. Do you feel old yet? Motherfucker? Oh, I feel old every day, but I feel especially, I feel especially old every time you and I talk because I go back and I, and I look at things and, um, uh, I looked at, uh, yesterday before we started this show, I looked at a lot of these, um, uh, I went through some of the matches, looked at the interviews and they don't seem to me like they were 25 years ago. And then you see, I mean, we got Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan in a cage and, uh, and the title on the line and all that, but, and, and you see that, 
and then you don't think it was that long ago, but then you see Rick Lear as he, the way he looks today. And then you think, wow, that was a long time ago. It was uh, indeed, but you know what, what a great time to be a wrestling fan where we get to uh, fire up the WWE network and watch this big show back. And it is a big show, uh, with the voice of our childhood, Mr. Tony Schiavone. Yes. And, uh, we get to watch shows. We get to have a good time. We get to talk about the different products we sell and the different products we promote and the different products we endorse. And, you know, um, Bruce, take your pills. Okay. Okay. Hang on. I said, stop right there. Did you not know we were recording today? Yeah, I knew we were recording. All right. I just didn't know. Uh, was that, and, was that uh, your reminder to, uh, that was, that was a reminder that I need to take my blue chew. Oh, uh, really? So you're, because, try, you're yes. trying to get real hard first thing in the morning. I'm going to get <laughs> first thing in the morning. So that was my blue chew reminder. Hang on. Help, uh, me, help me understand. Real deal. Um, cause I know that you would never lie to me. You're great, close personal friends. So I do, I do believe that that was your blue chew alarm. Is, are you taking blue chew first thing in the morning? Because, well, most of your life you woke up with a rock hard erection, but now in the, uh, downhill slope of life, now that you're on the back 40, you, uh, you just want to feel like you're 28 again and take a blue chew first thing in the morning. Just, to. Remember the good yeah, old times, the good old days. Yeah, remember the good old days when you had a piss hard on when you woke up. I, 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 I don't have that anymore. And no piss hard so ones now, for you. No piss hard, but but Blue Chew will give me one of those hard ons that will last for quite a while. And who knows? Okay, who knows? Sometimes if I take that Blue Chew in the morning and Lois wakes up. Blam. I don't know that I believe you, but I will say this. Blue Chew is what everybody's talking about right now. If it can give Tony Schiavone hope, you know, it can help you too. Check it out. BlueChew.com. Uh, here's the reason you should go to Blue Chew if you haven't already. It has the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but it's cheaper than those other two because you get to skip the in-person doctor's visit. How cool is that? Instead, you just talk to an online physician at BlueChew.com and they'll help you find the right active dosage or the right active ingredient and the right dosage for you. But because it's chewable, it's going to work faster than those other two. So if you can find something that was faster and cheaper, why wouldn't you? Oh, and how about this? You even get to skip the awkward conversation at the pharmacy because they're going to ship it directly to you in discreet packaging. And it's made right here in the U.S. of A. So you know it's good stuff. I can't recommend this enough. It's sweeping professional wrestling. Everyone in the business is talking about it. I mean, it is something that people across the world are starting to believe in in a major major way and we've got a great offer for you right now where you get your first shipment for free i'm talking about f-r-e-e free all you've got to do is pay five dollars shipping and uh you're gonna be a believer i mean we've, we've joked about it before but anytime somebody gives you a free sample they have a lot of confidence that you're gonna love and, and, and you're going to love the confidence that Blue Chew gives you in bed. Check it out. BlueChew.com. Use our promo code, Tony, and get a great offer. Tell them the promo code. The promo code is very simple. It's the promo code that's designed for this show and for our great listeners. The promo code is WHW. That's promo code WHW. Go to BlueChew.com. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Promo code WHW. Looking to last longer? 
You go a few extra rounds to get harder. Get hard with Blue Chew. Thanks to your buddies on what happened when. Remember, the promo code is WHW. What I want to know is what happened when we woke up the other member of our uh, tag team here and we fired up the WWE Network to watch Halloween Havoc 1994. Uh, Well, let's see. If I wake her up from a deep sleep, uh, she might get pissed off. If I take Blue Chew, wake her up from a deep sleep and have a big erection, uh, she might be pissed off. Um, I guess we should give everybody a spoiler. Now, if you're not on Patreon, you got to check it out because you'll live stream some of your lovemaking sessions with Lois, right? (laughs) I mean, you've been missing out. Like it's the greatest night in the history of our great sport. And uh, because Tony, not only does he have sex with his wife on Patreon, but he does commentary throughout the whole thing, which really, I mean, that's something special. Yeah. Because here's, here's, here's a great commentary. Papa blue chew. And I'll go up, 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 up. And then you'll see it rise up. Oh, it's, you're so full of no, shit. I'll, I don't, like, I don't, I don't do. You're, you're telling people that on Patreon, I put porn out there. I don't do that stuff. Dude, do you think that's the selling feature? Do you think anybody at home is like, what? I can see Tony Schiavone bang his wife. I'm going to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Let me assure you, they don't. They know I'm kidding. Because if I was going to do that, I would say, Hey, we got a little sneak, uh, a little sneak peek with Francine. Check it out. Tony Schiavone and Francine under the covers this week on Patreon. That's how you would sell it. Right. But when it's wow. like Lois, no, nah. wow. I'm really getting aroused now. No, I mean, you know, we can't be but talking you- about dudes wives on here. Come on. Yeah, we can. Hey, I, I do want to talk about something else on here before we roll. May I? All right. Okay, I want to talk about the purple mattress. Oh, jeez, boy, what I is do it? Want- what is it with you and your boners and your mattresses? You're just—I mean, I don't know what's going on with you, Tony Schiavone. Mm. How'd you spend your last night, Conrad? Did you spend the last night tossing and turning? No, the goddamn dogs woke me up, and I've been up for hours. I'll tell you what—if I had a purple mattress, maybe those little fuckers would go to sleep. <laughs> well, I, I usually wake up with a stiff neck, back pain. The only stiff I really want to wake up with is a, a stiff heart on thanks to Blue Chew. And a lot of people tell me that I spent way too much on a mattress and I still don't get a good night's sleep. Sleep is important. Sleep is better for you. Sleep is the main thing, especially if you want to get up and get ready to do a great show like AEW Dynamite. Well, here's what you need. You need a purple mattress. These guys are legit. I don't know that we've talked about it a lot here on this particular show, but I'm very familiar with purple. It's a couple of brothers who developed some cushioning technology, and it's been used for like 30 years and stuff like wheelchairs and medical beds. But a few years ago... They patented this comfort technology, and now they're bringing you the world's most scientific mattress. It's going to feel unlike anything you've ever experienced. Let me be clear. It's not memory foam, Uh, but it's firm and soft at the same time, and it's going to sleep cool, which I like. So it's very breathable, which is a great thing if you're a fat dude, and it's going to keep you, you know, supported while you're feeling very, very comfortable. And here's how I know that it's a great mattress. And here's how you know it's a great mattress before you ever try it. They offer a 100-night risk-free trial. 
to where if you're not satisfied, we'll just return it and get all your money back. Oh, and how about this? A 10-year warranty. Look around your house. How many things there have a 10-year warranty? They're also going to give you free shipping and returns. And I think they'll even help you take out your old batches. And we've got a special offer for some of our listeners who are looking for a better night's sleep. Tell them about it, Tony. You're going to love Purple. We promise you you're going to love Purple. And right now, our listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts we're offering site-wide. Just text this one. You ready? Here's another great promo code. WHAT. Text WHAT to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text WHAT to 84888. That's WHAT, W-H-A-T, to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Get yourself a purple mattress and sleep like you should at night. I'm not I'm not going to talk about the paper review. Why? Well, because I've, I've been trying to do this motherfucker for like 20 minutes and you won't let me, so... No, you're going to fucking do it like right now. I just assume, you know, you're going to make me stop and do some more sponsor plugs because I've been trying to do the goddamn show and you won't let me. You know what I'm having a problem with, Conrad? I don't see as well as I used to, but <laughs> boy, I got my new glasses this week and let me tell you. You know, Conrad, before we get going, there's one thing I need to talk about and that's my mattress. Oh my God. Fucking the worst. Uh, okay, you ready? No, I'll, let's just do some more sponsors. I mean, no, let's bring Lois in for the countdown hang on, because hang on, hang uh, we what? We could be doing your sponsor right now. Just send an email to hey hey advertising at gmail dot com, and our main man Dave Green will get you set up. Where Tony will try to not so skillfully transition to your spot, and then I will make fun of him unmercifully afterwards, and it'll get a lot of attention for your business. So. Hey, that hey, fucking Dave Green still working for us? Well, not if you keep motherfucking him. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, advertising at gmail.com. Tony, uh, I had the show pulled up when we first got on the call about an hour ago. I don't know if it'll still work. I'm going to work. give it a shot. It'll work. It's Halloween Havoc 1994. Go to the WWE Network. Click on in ring, go down to WCW pay-per-views, click on that, do the drop-down menus, Halloween Havoc 1994, and there you'll find it. October 23rd, 1994. Ready, Conrad? Motherfucker, I've been ready. (laughs) Then let's bring in the queen of purple mattresses and blue chew and any other sponsor we want. (laughs) What the fuck are we doing? Let's bring in Lois Shivani. I'm not the queen of blue chew and I'm not the queen of purple mattresses. I am the queen of Lois rules. Three, two, one, play. Rick Flair and Hulk Hogan, baby. How about a very rare glimpse? of the quote unquote Vegas, big gold right there from Ric Flair. I didn't even remember that that was on this show at the very beginning. Yeah. Ric Flair and WCW commissioned a, uh, a belt to look like the, uh, I guess it was actually the WWF who did it. They made a, a big gold belt 
when uh, there was the whole lawsuit where Flair couldn't wear the big gold belt on TV and he kept it. Right. And he used it here in WCW. So the only time you saw it on TV was a couple of WCW skits and scenarios. Oh, look in the front row. There he is. The greatest of all yeah. time. Muhammad Ali. How about that? And, a, and of course we, Oh my look gosh, Tony Schiavone, along with Bobby, the brain, he who just had neck surgery again. And of course, mean Gene Okerlund. And here we are 25 years later. I'm the only one still alive. Well, that's right. But, uh, I think all of our listeners wish that one of us was alive. Isn't that right, Bobby? Well, uh, let me tell you that the guy to my right sucks. I'm taller than him, but when we sit down at this desk, he's going to want his fucking chair higher than mine. Don't he realize I'm a major star and he's just a gimmick. Here's the fact 25 years from now, you two, us two may be dead. Gene. The fact is he's not going to have a job in wrestling anymore. He'll never get back into professional wrestling. His career is done. I'm going to bury his ass with a book. I'm going to bury his ass on TV interviews. I'm going to bury his ass, make sure he never gets a job again. And I'm going to live forever. I'm going to. Well, I don't think you're going to live forever, Bobby. I, I, I think that might be a little tough at our age. Well, the fact is look behind me, the Joe Louis arena. You saw the shot of Muhammad Ali. It's a big time star. He's one of the biggest stars ever. And how long did we show him? We showed him for maybe two seconds. We should still be showing him right now. Well, we're not done with Muhammad Ali. Well, I may be done here because look at me. You see this neck brace. This neck brace was because of Brian Pillman. That stupid son of a bitch. When we were in Las Vegas last time, came out the ring. He grabbed me, made me snap my neck back. And then I told WCW, uh, Workman's uh, Cop. Hang on. That hasn't happened. That happens in 18 months. But, uh, Tony. Well, uh, as you know, it's the WCW hotline. That's right. Give it a call right now, kids. 1-900-909-9900. I get a third of this shit call right now. All of the proceeds go directly to Greg goose and kettle one. That's one 900 I've got three kidneys. That's a great filtration system for all that vodka. Is it not Tony Schiavone? It's the greatest filtration system in the history of our great sport. One 900 that's my line, you bald little motherfucker. The greatest history of the sport that I'll never use again when you hear me in uh, 2019 on AEW. Let's go to the ring. It's time for our national anthem. Whoa, say, can you see? I'm an old gray-headed fucker. And I'm a country music singer. And people in Detroit don't give a shit about me. <laughs> Muhammad Ali is here. Also, Willie Stargell and Hank Aaron and Hitman Thomas Hearns will come out punch drunk. This is the same building where we're going to throw the giant off the roof. And then we're going to get into some monster trucks and we're going to fuck up the business, but that's not going to be this year. We're going to fuck up the business in a couple of years from now. Oh, look, there's Muhammad Ali and fuck you guys. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> That might be the best singing you've ever done here on the show. Yeah. This is the Joe Louis Serena. This is where it all took place. You know, I, 
You know, Isn't it amazing that you'll, I, you'll never think about this arena again without thinking about the giant falling off of the roof? I know whenever I think about the giant falling off a roof, <laughs> I do so in my new purple mattress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn, I'm a whore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. How about this? This is not a heat getter, is it? <laughs> oh, God. You know, I've always, I've always liked this guy. I really have. I, no, and I don't he, understand he, why, why he had so much heat. Like, I don't mean like with the fans, I get that, but I've, I've never mm-hmm. had any like real interactions with him outside of, you know, being a fan or whatever. But, uh, it seems like nobody, almost nobody has anything nice to say about the honky talk man, but dude, he had fucking heat for every crowd ever. Like in the eighties, it was white hot heat. Yes, it was. And it, it's almost as if there's, there are wrestlers and people out there that are envious of the heat that he had. Oh my gosh. Look at this. The kiss that don't miss ladies and gentlemen, the television champion himself, Johnny be bad. Have a bad day. How about the spider web Cape? And he's got fangs in and he's shooting sparklers. Boy, this is, uh. This is like DDP's favorite gimmick, huh? <laughs> Dude, what a look oh. from Mark Miro here. What a look. Yeah. He's a bad man. Oh, who's this girl? She ain't with us any longer. She's about 90 right there. I feel like, I feel like, uh, Johnny be bad was in the opening match for every WCW pay-per-view ever. I, I think you may be right. That or a luchador. Uh, they wanted, this is before the luchador era, of course, with us. And, uh, they wanted the Johnny to be bad because they era. thought it's a, listen to the luchador era. Okay. Uh, that might, we might actually need a shirt for that luchador era, the luchador era. You know, but anyway, whenever I need a shirt, I know I go to lowestrules.com. <laughs> such a great selection of shirts right over there that, oh, the, the cotton is so breathable and they're pre-shrunk and. <laughs> Conrad, have you tried the soft touch tees? Lord knows I have, especially when I got Lois a tank top. And you know what's great about a tank top with a woman, Conrad, as well? They wear them to bed. And I don't need to tell you, you get a little looky loo every now and again. One of those little uh, hash browns slides out in the middle of the night. It's pretty <laughs> great. But when you go to lowestrules.com, you'll hey, see some of the new we- great shirts. Hey. Shut the fuck up, man. We're, we're talking over Johnny, uh, let loose his cannon. He's, uh, he's doing what now? Let loose his cannon. <laughs> and, uh, we've got uh, honky tonk man in a red singlet. It, this is just a visual feast, isn't it? Well, the guy coming out, looking like Alvis guy coming out, looking like Johnny B. Bad. Give everybody a countdown. Tell everybody where we are. Uh, Okay, let me go. Let me uh, move. Uh, uh, seven fifty-eight, fifty-nine, eight minutes. And there's the world television title belt, which uh, I believe Dave Milliken uh, actually owns. Fam- famed belt maker. I think that's the one he's got. Hey, I want to say hello to Dave Milliken. Great guy, one of our friends. Great talented guy. Uh, I, I think he may be, uh, one of the unsung heroes in pro wrestling over the years. 
What a great job he did with the uh, AEW belt. Yes, he did. I I know he made the the men's and the women's, and I know a lot of people are talking about the women's right now, but that that men's world title you guys have is just, whew, it's a dandy. And we're getting ready to debut the uh, AEW Tag Team Championships as well. He didn't make those shits. He didn't? No. Okay. Just a little AEW dynamite plug here. Oh, don't talk about current shit on this, Giovanni. We want to talk about the old stuff. Well, here's the deal. We've talked about AEW ad nauseum, so I understand. Yeah. I do think that, uh, you know, we need to circle back to talking about LoisRules.com because we do have an AEW-themed shirt uh, where it looks like the AEW logo, but it says WHW. So it's black, white, and gold. It's good stuff. But the, uh, the new shirts we've got over there, cause we've just recently, you know, got creative again. That's going to put some butts in the seats. Cooter Palooza. Who's next? Tony reads rap straight out of Craigsville. Blumpkin mania. Tony freaking Shivani, the goddamn candy man. And then a couple of shirts. I really get a kick out of one that says Eric and Arn and Tony and Jr. and Bruce and Conrad, which is great. Hire Mance Warner, which I think we should promote more often because we're going to try to get him on TNT. And then the two new shirts that I think you're going to love the most inspired by the something to wrestle logo is a shirt that says someone to tussle with Tony mm-hmm. Schiavone. Yeah, baby. I love that. And I know your favorite shirt, bat winging. And you got to check this out, <laughs> the design on this shirt. Um, you don't have to know what bat winging is, but when you see this shirt, you can figure it out fairly quickly. Loisrules.com. You mean it's a shirt with a picture of a scrotum stuck to the side of a leg? Kinda, but it's in the shape of the, uh, the Batman logo. Mm. Oh, okay. There you go. Love it. I love it. I got Batman in my pants because I'm bat winging. That's what we got. Hey, these two guys are just tearing it up right now, aren't they? I mean, what a way to start this show. They are just tearing it up. By the way, match gets 10, uh, goes 10 minutes and it gets a star and a quarter, according to the observer. Melzer would say this was better than expected, which attests to bad improving and had really good heat. Too many rest right. holes, particularly near the end by making the five minutes call in this and only match. They pretty much telegraphed the draw. So we have the sound down, but they're going to announce in the middle, five minutes remaining, five minutes remaining, which Meltzer says, well, when they told us that we knew for sure, this was a draw. Meltzer was right there. And it's an issue that I brought up many, many times. I said, a lot of times you're telegraphing that you're going to have a draw and you shouldn't do that. Um, but what the fuck do I know? Right. Oh, just a fucking gimmick. Take a look at Joe Lewis arena, man. This was a, this was a very, very good night for us. I, uh, we were, we were doing a lot of, I, I thought, of course, you know, we had Hogan and, uh, this is, you know, Hogan had arrived in 1994 and I thought we were doing a lot of things, right? Obviously we didn't get hot and didn't start doing big business until the NWO angle, but I, I thought we were, we were doing things correctly here. No, I don't think anybody would disagree. I mean, 
you know, you've got Hulk Hogan coming in that summer and, uh, you guys are going to blow it up at bash at the beach. That formula works so well. You're going to try it again here with, um, a retirement match. I mean, there's so much going on in this match. It's one of the more famous sort of, uh, maybe infamous main events. Maybe that's the right word. Okay. Because there's so much shit, you know, you got Mr. T and you got a guy under hood and you got Sherry and, oh, it's also, uh, a cage match and the, the, your career's on the line. I mean, this gimmicks on gimmicks on gimmicks on this one. Right. And let me ask you this, and it's something I guess we can bring up again. Uh, first of all, this match, I, I agree. I think this match was better than anticipated because I, I, I think that, uh, Johnny, was very green and they didn't expect him to, uh, to do well in this match. And the fact that here, the honky tonk man, uh, Wayne was working with a green guy and sometimes maybe he wouldn't be as willing to work with a green guy as other people. But another point, and the other point is, did anybody really believe in career versus career in pro wrestling? Did anybody really believe that? If Ric Flair would lose or if Hulk Hogan would lose, their career would be done. To me, career versus career matches are like a waste of time. Well, I think, I think you say that as someone who's been in the business and is a little jaded or whatever. Right. I mean, 94 motherfuckers were stupid. <laughs> I mean, the honky talk man and Johnny be bad are here. Does anybody believe that this guy's really Elvis? Does anybody mm. believe that this guy's really little Richard? I mean, and next up we've got Marcus Bagwell and the goddamn Patriot taking on Paul Roma and Paul Orndorff. And then after that, we've got Dave Sullivan and Kevin Sullivan. Oh and then God. a little later, we've got not the big boss man, but the guardian angel. But before that, we've got Jim Duggan beating stone cold, Steve Austin. And you're out here wanting to question whether or not this retirement angle is real. Goddamn, if that was my undercard, I'd want to fucking retire too. <laughs> How old were you in 1994? 13. Wow. Well, I bet you, I bet you were obnoxious 13 year older. You're, you're, just, you're really rude sometimes. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I mean, look, you're, you're obnoxious now. You're 25 years later. Oh, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to be entertaining motherfucker. What you are, you're the most entertaining motherfucker. I know that's not true. No, you are. You are entertaining motherfucker. I think I entertain you way more off air than on air. (laughs) Yeah, you do. And I don't just mean when I'm buying prostitutes for you in Las Vegas. Oh, for quiet. Would you (laughs) stop with that bullshit? Tony, everybody listening knows it's a joke. <sighs> well, you know, the, 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 it's the old adage. You say it enough of eventually believe you. Well, I'm just saying like, they know you can't get hard or whatever. So it's like, why would you <laughs> go to the trouble of hiring someone? You know, like, come on. Just, just to look at her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> say, oh, she's pretty. Thank you for being with us. Bye-bye. Just want to check her. She was awfully she was awfully pretty, Conrad. Thank you very much. I think I'll have that mellow yellow now. Ten minute match with Honky Tonk Man and Mark Mara. 
Wow, and it feels like 30 minutes already. Honky Tonk Man has mastered the art of working every match like it's 1987. Yes. This is obviously right before Eric fired him. And and Eric goes on to say, said many times how happy he was to fire the Honky Tonk Man. Boy, that comment didn't age well, did it? <laughs> It did not. You and I haven't talked about this because we actually recorded last week's show, uh, in advance uh-huh. of the news. What, uh, yeah. h- how, and when did you find out that our friend Eric Bischoff was uh, no longer under the employ of WWE? Uh, when I landed, uh, last week in Philadelphia, as we're taping this, um, my phone rings. I turn my phone on, my phone rings, and uh, I have it. There's a text on my phone from Arn Anderson. And the text said, Told you you made the right decision because of what happened to Bischoff. And I went, Shit, what happened to Bischoff? And then Dean Malenko was sitting beside me, and Malenko looks, looks at his phone. He said, Vince fired Bischoff. I went, You've got to be fucking kidding me. And that's how I heard. You and were, of course that was a lot of the talk that day backstage. You were, uh, you were mad when you heard that Vince had fired Bischoff. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, yes, I was, I was mad because Eric's friend of mine and I didn't want, I wanted to see him. I wanted to see him be successful. I have nothing but good things to say about Eric because Eric afforded me a great living back during this era. Uh, so I wanted him to, wanted him to work. And then I got to thinking about that could have happened to me. Yeah. And so it was very disturbing. Are you, um, are you surprised? Uh, many ways. No, I'm not. What does that mean? I, I, I got the feeling I got the feeling that, uh, that he was hired, uh, just to keep him away from AEW. I got the feeling that that's why they wanted to hire me. You feel like maybe, maybe because the show was on TNT that AEW would have an interest. I mean, have you had a conversation with anybody in AEW about Eric Bischoff? I've not. No, I mean, I haven't either. So. That's why no. I was like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, well, that's felt like he probably got the gig because of our great close personal friend, Bruce Pritchard, maybe Bruce lobbied for him and they brought him in and oh, that that's a good point. That is a great point. Uh, I think Bruce lobbied for me too, to be honest with you. I wish uh, because I... lobby for me. Damn shit. You don't need a job. I know I got too many. I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah. to unearth some of them right now. <laughs> you don't need a job. You, you know, you are a multi-million millionaire what, what, what and, are you, you? And, and you don't need, you don't need fucking work. You don't need <laughs> job. <laughs> That's not a thing. What do we got here? <laughs> Baby. Dun, 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 dun,
No, a masked man with a pipe hit him in the knee. Who is it? Oh my God. It's we're doing an Olympic angle. Of course we are. It's 1994, right? What's your We're time? Doing these- What's your time code here? Uh, are we not on the same? Uh, 2049? 2050? 52? Where are you? Just making sure everybody's uh, along with us. Yeah. You know, we're doing a watch along okay. every now and again. Our number one piece of feedback <laughs> on social media yeah. is, hey, when you're doing these watch alongs, we just need you to give the time code a little more often. So I'm going to make oh, you really? do it all the time. Oh, really? Well, I need to read social media a lot more, don't I? No. So, uh, here comes, uh, the Hulkster with the big gold belt and it's the black scorpion. He's got the limpy knee. Boy, look at Arn Anderson. It's so obviously Arn Anderson. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know what? <laughs> tr- trying to do this mask gimmick in 2019. Yeah. You know why we know it's Arn Anderson? Because his head is big as a fucking bucket. It was just his unmistakable. Now, this is not Arn Anderson. That looks like Bunkhouse yeah. Buck. Could be. No, it's not. Wow, look at the fans at uh, center stage. Really into this shit now. They love those free tickets. <laughs> What's up with the, uh, the ear oh, in my the God. hand? That's a weird deal. The what? The, the ear, ear, you know, like instead of the foam finger, the number one, uh-huh. they've got right. the foam Hogan cup in his ear, you know, like he'd go around yeah. and fire up the crowd. Look at this. We just happen to have a camera and there's Ric Flair, and Mr. T together at Michael Jordan's restaurant. Mm. I love the way you pronounce that word. Were there at Michael Jordan's uh, what? Restaurant. Right, thank you. Restaurant. No, no, Bobby, no. we were at Michael Jordan's restaurant just the other day. I call it a restaurant. Most people call it a restaurant, but I'm from a real hick town in Virginia. Well, here's the deal. Of course, you're from a hick town. Everybody knows that. Jesus Christ, look at the way you're dressed. You ought to go to a tailor. You ought to go to my tailor. He's blind, but you know what? He can even see this jacket. Cause you could be on fucking Mars and see this jacket. You know what I see? I see me burying you and shoot interviews for the next 20 years. That's what I see. Well, thank you very much. Bobby, the brain Heaney. Let's go to the ring. Oh, by the way, for you guys on social media, 23, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. There's your time code. Here comes Paulie and Paulie. I think what a fucking. I, I, name for a team here. Pretty wonderful. Pretty wonderful. Well, it's pretty inventive. I thought I like it. I, I, I don't think we, and maybe we have, and I think even if we have, we should do this again. We should put over the fact of how valuable Paul Orndorff was as a performer and as a quote unquote agent, producer, coach, whatever you want to call him now backstage. And with the, uh, with the power plant. He was a very valuable member of WCW and regardless, I mean, he, you know, he had that injury and he, and, and obviously it, it limited his career, 
But even though he had a, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say how great Paul uh, Orndorff hey, was. Hang on, hang on. Are you this. not going to acknowledge the Percocet Express? <laughs> Uh, hey, I, I, I don't to a pharmacy near you, brother. <laughs> uh, Dell Wilkes has had quite interesting, uh, career. Hasn't he dude? What a great story he has. You know, he's talked about being deep in the thralls of addiction and, you know, life, not looking too good and many kicked out and, uh, he's still with us today. He's got a great book out. He's available for personal appearances. You can see him here and there and. You know, he's one of the great success stories because for a long time, you know, he was, uh, in a bad way with, with his addiction and he's managed to come out on the other side. So a really, really great story. He was a very, very good performer and he looked good too. I thought, uh, I, I, I really liked the Patriot gimmick. I didn't necessarily like the pay his tag team partners with him like here, but, uh, did you always hate Buff Bagwell, or is that just a recent development? That's just a recent development. Okay. Here's the deal. Okay. Okay. You are you are my buddy. Yeah. You you are my friend. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. If, I consider okay. you a friend as well. Thank you. So, if you fuck with my friend as it relates to Starcast. Oh, uh, listen. By the way, I don't care. Buff Bagwell's yeah. a nice person. Listen, we've had a lot of fun here on the show. And yeah, there was once upon a time, probably in misunderstanding bygones yeah, be well, bygones. Life's too short. Who gives a shit? I don't want to, I don't want to bury that guy. Listen, we had fun here talking about the show. This is entertainment folks. This is ha ha. If you have, if you're an independent promoter and you have an opportunity to do something with Buff Bagwell and you think he'll do well by your show, then you should roll the dice and, and book him. And I bet you have a great experience because my experience is clearly in the minorities working every single weekend. So I don't want us to, to hurt that dude's opportunity to earn an income. Wow. Did you go to church this weekend? No, I just, you know, but like, you are also, you're awfully forgiving. No, listen, and I, you, oh, oh, it, here's the thing. I didn't care immediately, but it became a funny bit here on the show. But like enough people have talked about it in a real way where I'm like, man, we might actually be fucking with this dude's right. income. I don't really want to do that. Like right. you're not really right. going right. to have right. sex with Francine, you know, like there's well, just a lot of I'm bits not? here. No, you're definitely not. Cause her husband would fucking murder you, <sighs> but you know, it's just a funny ha ha on the show. And I don't want anybody to, you know, think, Oh, we can't bring him in. No, please do. And I bet you'll have a, a great experience. I agree. And, uh, but I mean, thank you for coming to my defense and saying, fuck him, but not necessary. Well, you're teaching me a lesson here. And the lesson is don't hold grudges. Well, I mean, the deal is when you do, it only affects you, you know, you're going to walk around being negative. They don't even know it's so it's sort of like if you have somebody who's struggling with addiction in your life and you're like, you know, really, really trying to focus on fixing it or whatever, like. It's going to get you sick too. So do your yeah. best and love them from a distance. You have taught me a lot about life. You have taught me a lot about life. Well, I know I've taught you how to have a good night's sleep and a rock hard cock. 
Thanks to our friends at Purple Mattress and Blue Chew. Now Stop I can, it. Now I can beat it to sleep and wake up feeling refreshed and drained. Drained. Hey, so uh, when we go to Philadelphia, as you may uh, imagine, I sent Francine a text. Oh, no. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, Francine and I have become buddies, and you know, we. Uh, and now and she's I sent her pregnant. <laughs> would you, would you hang on a second? Can I finish this thought with that? So anyway, I, I called, I mean, I'd sent her a text and I said, Hey, while we are in Philadelphia, you are welcome to come to the show. And of course she very quickly said, no, thanks. I've got, uh, my, I've got my, my, uh, my, my child and, and my mom, I've got to deal with, I won't be able to come. And I, I got to thinking she probably would have come, but I've probably creeped her out. So sorry about that. In fairness, women are, you're not used to women coming. Paul. Oh, wow. That was pretty good pickup by Bagwell. I mean, seriously, you were just probably like, huh? Another woman in my life didn't come just a Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, but I do love her. God, I love her. You're going to have to brass at some of this back, dude. But when I'm, when I'm telling you, you know, that her husband's going to kill you, I'm just trying to get yeah. you to, uh, X nay the creeper, a, okay. And you just, right. you don't, you can't help yourself. Okay. I won't talk about Francine and her wonderful boobs again. I feel like on this, I feel like you would fuck it up anyway. Really? I feel like you would take her to like, you'd be like, well, let's go to dinner. And then she would eventually say, okay. And then once she came around and said, okay, here's how that conversation will go. Where would you like mm-hmm. to go, sweetheart? And she would say what every woman ever says. I don't care. Whatever you like, whatever you want, what do you think? And so it's on you. And you'd probably take her to somewhere like fucking golden corral. Cause you're like, I don't know what she wants, but they've got everything horrible. I mean, first of all, if there's a sneeze guard, you shouldn't take her there, but that's all there are. It's the sneeze guard express. So then you go and, uh, I think, you know, she makes her plate and she's probably got like a crab leg and some chocolate sauce and some rice and a hamburger steak and some yams. And she starts to dig in and you're like, well, that's an interesting combination. You would be like, Oh, I got to make light conversation here. How do I get a dialogue going? But I'm kind of nervous. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And you would just blurt out, can I smell your butthole? And then that, that'd be the end. <laughs> Sounds like a great night to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I smell your butthole? My favorite part is Sneeze Guard Express. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know that's true. <laughs> Fuck Golden Corral. <laughs> Unless they're one of our sponsors, at which time, boy, <laughs> well, the only thing we... I love more than Golden Corral is sleeping it off after a food coma in my purple mattress. <laughs> If you've had a food coma and then you walk outside and see Alabama doink wrestling in your, in your parking lot, you'll need to sleep. And you know, you know what, uh, what Lois loves. Lois loves that chocolate fountain. She loves it so much that I know when she goes back for trip number three, it's time to (laughs) pop a blue chew because she's going to be happy, happy, happy. 
Okay, for you guys on social media, we're at 3217. Right now, full arm drag and a twist from Marcus Alexander Bagwell. We're not talking enough about this match, but. No, we're not because it sucks. It was, uh, it's two and, two and a quarter stars. And uh, Roma okay, well, and Orndorff, pretty wonderful. They're going to win, baby. Well, good. We thought they looked good, which they did. And we thought they were uh, pretty good wrestlers, which they are. Can I give you the best recap Meltzer ever wrote? Yeah. Two average teams in another average match. This was tons better than their match in Oakland last week. Although so was every other match this year. There were some good spots, some slow spots, and a few missed spots. Bagwell was worked on most of the way. He never did make the hot tag, and it wound up a four-way with Bagwell doing the fisherman suplex on Orndorff. But with the ref taking the Patriot back to the corner, Roma came off the top with a high elbow drop, and Orndorff rolled over for the pin. So I just love the... It was tons better than their match last week in Oakland. Although so was every other match this year. Dave was a surly little prick back in, uh, 1994, wasn't he? Well, I don't know. You said I was too, and you didn't even know me. Well, I can only imagine because you've grown up to be a surly prick at times. That's hurtful. Well, look at, look at you all. You have, you are, you are. But in a loving way, I'm saying that in a loving way, into the ropes, they go foot to the face down goes Bagwell. Paul Roman covering big elbow drop, but he didn't cover him. Why didn't he cover him? Excalibur. Uh, I mean, Conrad one, two, did you just call me Excalibur? Yeah, I was, I was in uh, full, uh, dynamite mode there. Sorry. God damn. We're just going to talk about, let's just rename the show. No, Monday, Monday morning dynamite. (laughs) It's not. It's not, Wait, it's oh, not, fuck. I'll get, get, uh, Johnny, stop talking about that current shit. I only want to talk about stuff that happened years ago. Well, we're watching Halloween havoc 1994 and I just happened to slip in AEW dynamite. So fucking deal with it. Well, you, feel you ain't got to get hot about it. Wow. Great drop kick by Roma. And he knew it. Did he ever know it? Holy shit. He's, he is over celebrating, man. So let's talk about, um, you know, the, the sort of mood coming into this show. I know it's been, it was a hot topic because I believe the situation was Ric Flair wanted a new contract before he would do this retirement match. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. What can you tell us? But I, I, I do remember he wanted a new contract. I don't remember what the upshot was, but I do believe this was the beginning of, if you correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this was the downfall of Rick and Eric's relationship. This was the beginning of it. You know, and look, everybody that every, every boss that Rick worked for, and, and I can't speak for Jim Crockett but I can speak for Jim Hurd and I, 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 every boss that, that Rick worked for had a, a tumultuous relationship with Rick. It's, it's not blaming Rick for anything. 
It's just that Rick was a big star, and, and Rick had a lot of demands, as would Hulk Hogan, as would Sting. So I, I believe this was, you know, because Eric was, this was the beginning of Eric's tenure as, I mean, he was just Eric Bischoff. And so uh, this was the beginning of, I think, I feel, uh, problems that they had between each other. What do you know about it? I don't know anything about it. I just know that he wanted a new contract and I think Bischoff felt like, uh, they needed to do something special to pull the big pay-per-view number here. Uh, Meltzer was writing a lot at the time that there was a lot riding on the success of these Hogan pay-per-views, uh, right. because they had, you know, committed themselves to a big contract. So these had to do well. And I'm sure Bischoff thinking, man, in order to keep this train rolling, I got to hit a number. We need right. to up the stakes. If you've listened to 83 weeks, you know that Eric is all about stakes and what bigger than a retirement match. And let's not forget, although Hogan flair at this point seems like old hat, a few years prior to this, it was a dream match on the cover of every after magazine for a decade. I mean, these are the two biggest stars of the 1980s by a wide margin. And when the WWF had an opportunity to put this match together in 1992, they didn't at least not at WrestleMania where most folks thought they should. So Bischoff, so Bischoff doubled down on that and, and made a mint. I mean, the most successful pay-per-view in WCW history that July. So it makes sense to do a rematch, but you don't just want to do it to do it. You got to up the stakes. So let's make it a heated issue and let's make it a retirement match. And oh, by the way, let's put it in a cage. So he's pulling out all the stops, but I'm sure Rick being Rick felt like if I'm going to do that, and I'm going to quote unquote, retire on TV. I need to be compensated. And I'll tell you, I know that, you know, I'm going to get some shit for this, but I kind of agree. Like, you know, if they're asking you to do something that effectively ends your career on TV, why would you not look for a commitment? Well, I think it goes deeper than that. I think the fact that Hogan was brought in with such a big contract and uh, such leeway as far as his character and his uh, angles are concerned in his final say that I think that also had Rick thinking of a new contract as well. Well, more than know, just a retirement match. You know that if the other guy in the ring with you makes more money you, than you can call his own shot, you're not, you're probably not asking a lot to, I don't know. Right. I, I get that. By the way, you mentioned uh, house shows. The WWF did that, and they did it to apparently, uh, eh, results in towns like LA uh, back in the WWF. But you guys have them run a, a series of Hogan Flair house shows in Salt Lake and in Oakland and in Anaheim. Salt Lake only drew 4,300, and uh, it's only a $59,000 gate. Oakland draws 4,000. And it's a $61,000 gate. Anaheim was 2,400, which has to be considered a disaster for 45,000 bucks. Uh, so not necessarily killing it, but tons of bad press, believe it or not. When they were in, um, Salt Lake city, because apparently a lot of the guys, including Hulk Hogan, got a restaurant to stay open late. So they could all come in and eat without being bothered. And then they left without paying the bill. Whoa. So the local media just fucking crucified them. 
as well. They should have like somebody from the restaurant had to figure out where the wrestlers were staying, go to the hotel and figure out how to get paid. All right. Speaking of not paying your bills, Rick, were you involved in not? We'll take a look at the woman to my side. We'll take a look at her boobs. Take a look at her shaking her ass around. Uh, the, the fact is Rick, after the show's over, are you going to plug sister Sherry? Uh, this is all you, baby. Uh, Gene, let me say this. Woo. That after this show, woo, after this show is I'm going to woo. And then this girl to my woo, or this girl to my right going, woo. That's me, Gene. Woo. Because I'm the greatest woo limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. Woo. Would you quit looking at her boobs, Gene? Woo. And look at me. I'm doing this interview and she cannot stay still. One, one person may think a couple people may think a lot of people may think that she's on something because she can't stay still. Woo. Later on the night, she's going to be on something. She's going to be on Space Mountain. Woo! Space Mountain, because I'm a wheeling dealing, jet flying, son of a gun. Woo! And I'm going to beat Hulk Hogan. Woo! Here's the deal, Bischoff. I want a new contract. Don't give me a new contract. I'm not going to put him over. <laughs> That's right. Gene, would you look at me when I'm talking and quit looking at the girl to my right? Gene is looking at your boobs. She keep, And she keeps shaking the boobs. Why wouldn't he look? She's got to be drugged out of her mind here, Conrad. Don't you think she is? No. Okay. She's playing the she character. She can't say. She's really. What's she supposed to do? Listen, she was always a ball of energy on these promos. Like she's just trying to be, uh, you know, motion creates emotion. I don't think she was like that in the front seat of, uh, the mercury. Was she? Front seat of the Mercury. Yeah, I was just thinking of those big old cars y'all used to rent back in the day. Like Ooh. top guys got a Cadillac or a town car, but if you weren't a top guy, then you probably got like one of those big old grandma cars. Yeah. You know what? You're, you're right about it, Sherry. I was trying to be funny here because her, uh, her habits were well known, but you're right about her ball of energy. Maybe one of the hardest working girls in the business. Really? Woo. Woo, 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 woo. Speaking of woos, let's go back to the ring and Tony and Bobby Heenan. All right. Thank you very much. Mean Gene, Bobby, the brain Heenan, that coat sucks. Bobby, the brain Heenan, man, you know, when you look back and you've talked about this before, I think, but. I think he's on my Mount Rushmore. Like Mount Rushmore of what? Of wrestling. Like, let's just say that there's not, if it's not restricted to just wrestlers and it's just personalities. Star power, maybe? Well, no, just saying, what a utility player he was. You know, if you need him to be a commentator, you need him to be a manager. You know, I mean, whatever you need him to do, he did. Back in the day. Got over. Back in the day, you need him to take a bump. Yeah, exactly. You know, he. I just think like if you, if you had a Mount Rushmore and there's one for every fat, there's one head for every facet of the business, if you could pick one wrestler and one promoter and one manager and one commentator, like Bobby Heenan's on it. Uh, greatest manager of all time, man. Yes, he is. No argument on this end. What, what, do, you, what do you think of this Dave Sullivan shit? No, I think they, I think they. Kevin Sullivan being, you know, basically in charge here, uh, of the booking. 
I, I think they did as well as they could do with this character. They tried to make a story out of it that Dave was his brother and Dave was stupid and Dave was a Hogan fan and he wasn't going to, wasn't going to take it anymore from his bully older brother. I didn't have a problem with the angle in, in the grand scheme of things, trying to make Dave Evad, uh, what was he called before that? Uh, the, uh, the eliminator, the, uh, something or another. Yeah. I think it's the best thing they could have done with that character. So I agree with brother versus brother. Now, Conrad, by the way, uh, for you guys, uh, and girls, who are on uh, on with us online? It's forty five oh nine ten eleven. Oh, Kevin coming out <laughs> barking. I know the <laughs> the uh, Dave Sullivan that you were talking about earlier. You, you called him the Eliminator. It was actually the Equalizer. The Equalizer. Thank you. Because he wasn't, he wasn't doing us any good. And this was a storyline. You may like, not like the storyline. You may think, oh, it's a shitty storyline, but it was at least a storyline. This match had a purpose and I've always been for that. And it had more purpose than any type of match that Evad, Dave Sullivan, the equalizer was involved in. Not only that. Dave Sullivan in real life was a great kid. Really, uh, was loved the business and really wanted to do well. And you got that feeling backstage that you just wanted to, uh, well, those two kids are bored out of their fucking mind. Uh, because they're not watching Hulk Hogan. They're watching a Hulk Hogan fan wrestle the devil. Or as Kevin Nash called him little Napoleon. Not a bad story. That, 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 that fan's excited. Kind of. That kid has some Legos. <laughs> so there. And of course we go to a sign when the match starts. Look at that fucking robe. <laughs> Wonder where that robe is right now. We I don't know, but that, I don't know. We need it for live shows. I need you to wear it. My that would God. be cool. If, that would be cool if I could find it. Well, we need one with Francine airbrushed on the back. Speaking of live shows, we got hey, Starcast Four is coming up. Yep. Oh, I was going to go with our our live show. Me and you and Jim Ross on stage in Zanies SuperShowLive.com in Nashville, right after AEW. Talk about a fun wrestling day. Go see. Uh, dynamite. And then right after go a few blocks up the road, bam, you're at Zany's and one by one, all of your, uh, that your youthful wrestling stories will unfold in front of you with a, uh, well lubricated Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. It's going to be Moscow mule city that night. I may have a pina colada. Uh, do you think they do frozen drinks at Zany's? They might, they might. I'll bring my own blender. I'm sure. To, I'm sure. Uh, Jr. will have. Uh, yeah, Connie, you gotta yeah. have pear vodka. You see, not just regular vodka. It's gotta be pear. But if you get a pear vodka, 
her sassafras. And you get ginger beer, a little uh, lime juice, and a copper mug. It's a goddamn quality drink. And trust me on this, I'm an expert. You're not an expert. I'm an expert. <laughs> Did you hear Grillin JR this past week? No. Woo. Go out of your way to check that out. Okay. He was, uh, woo. Anyway, <laughs> come see Tony and Jim Ross. November 13th, Nashville super show live.com is where to pick up your tickets. We promoted it on uh, grill and JR. And I mentioned that, uh, Hey, you never know who might stop by from AW. It'll be right after the show. I bet a few of the boys are going to roll through. I had multiple members of the AW roster text me and say, Hey, just listen to JR show. Count us in. We're coming. So AEW is going to be well represented. What a fun night stories. You can't tell here on the podcast. It will not be recorded. It will not air anywhere else stories just for the house. We can't tell here. Supershowlive.com, November 13th. Can't wait because I have had such a blast working with Jim again. I have, I just, I can't tell you begin to tell you how much fun it's been being able to sit beside him and work with him again, dude, seriously. Go listen to last week's grill in JR. Okay. This dude, his plane was delayed and then they oh. lost his bag. Oh my God. And then he had to go to the baggage claim, you know, the baggage office, fill out uh-huh. paperwork. As he's talking to the lady about filling out the paperwork for his bag, he casually mentions, boy, I've had a couple of rough weeks here with you guys on American. And uh-huh. she said, really? And he said, yeah, my, my flight last week was this. And this week it was that. And she said, oh, so you're, you travel all the time. What do you do for a living? And he said, <laughs> I work for the new wrestling company, AEW used to work for WWE, but now I'm on TNT's on Wednesday nights with uh-huh. this new wrestling promotion called AEW. Uh-huh. And she said something like, oh God, do you like that? <laughs> and this motherfucker kind of promo <laughs> I'm talking about monumental <laughs> I bet he did you gotta go listen <laughs> okay. and hang in there until the, I asked him about Johnny Ace okay and he was just in the right mood and he yeah. came out with both shovels son <laughs> it was uh, I mean I was like I don't even have to do anything I'm just pressing record and getting out of the way <laughs> all right oh uh, god He's too much, man. He's the most entertaining one. Of the, he is one of the most entertaining fuckers ever. Oh. No, you said I was earlier. Figure it well, out. What are you doing? I, I said one of the, Thank you. which means there's more than one. All right. Jesus. Why are you? Why are you so honored? Stop wearing your feelings on your fucking sleeve. There, nature boy. Maybe it's because I didn't get a good sleep last night. And <laughs> Lord knows I should have just went downstairs and slept on my brand new purple mattress. <laughs> oh God. Hey, meanwhile, these two are just slugging it out at ringside, man, back and forth and outside and Dave and Kevin and oh, like my buddy Ray come says, this is a family feud. I'm just reading the, uh, the closed captioning here. The, uh, I wish they would have told the story that these guys were, were, uh, like father, son. Oh, you, the, you'd rather, instead of brothers, they're both Sullivan, right? Right. But one guy 
Well, he's a little bigger than the other one. Right. Do you think Kevin Sullivan wore those trunks to the beach? Like, I feel like this is the way Kevin Sullivan just walked around all the time in real life. No, I think he wore those trunks because he knew we were talking about purple mattresses. <laughs> Take a look, Conrad, at this crowd, would you? A capacity Woo! crowd on hand here to see mm. the nature boy retire. And of course, Tony, yeah. we haven't talked about this capacity crowd, so let's do it now. We've got 8,595 paid here at Detroit's Joe Lewis arena. It's a few hundred less than bash in Orlando, but it was uh, well under the company's record paid house, which happened back in 1989 at the Baltimore great American bash with flair and funk on top. That was 12,300 fans there, but the gate because of highly scaled tickets was 189, just shy of that all-time record, 190 grand. So even though there's a lot less people, there's only a thousand dollars less coming in at the gate. And we've got 14,000 people here in the building. So I'll let you do the math. Only 8,500 of these slap dicks actually paid. But we could have fit a lot more in there. We've got 21,000 seats in this arena. We just blocked off the upper deck, as you can see. Holy fucking shit. You should be a promoter. You got them numbers down there, buddy. I got lost. You lost me at 8,000. 8,500 motherfuckers here paying, uh, 200 and, uh, no. My apologies, paying 189,000. By the way, in this same era, era, uh, your boy, which one? Jacques Rougeau mm-hmm. ran a retirement show for himself in Montreal. Yeah. 18,500 people there. My God. Let's run through that. Jacques Rougeau's retirement show the same month. 18,500 Rick Flair's retirement show 8,500. Okay. L- let me get this straight now. Uh, what TV did Jacques Rougeau have to promote that? None. Amazing. That is an amazing story. And, and, and what, uh, the name of the show was all in. No, just kidding. <laughs> How about this uh, story that we're seeing here unfold? Arn Anderson and Dustin Rhodes, the stud stable. They see Terry Funk being drug over to cover Dustin. And they're going to the typical Anderson gimmick. Man, I love this look for Haku. I wish Haku did this look instead for the rest of his career. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a fucking. Like what he is. A movie villain. That's right. I'm surprised he he's almost, he almost kind of looks like what Dave Batista looks now look like in uh, the James Bond movie. <laughs> Little bit of the bubbly. Oh, fuck off with that. <laughs> fuck off with that. What? Well, it was, they were pouring champagne on him. They were, oh, I get it. Well, have a potential for a good match here. Have a potential for a great match here. Two guys who can work. Pretty good story here. Arn Anderson turning on uh, 
Dustin Rhodes, Colonel Parker and Ming in tow. So with that in mind, Conrad, my good friend, longtime pal, what did Dave Melter say about this match? Uh, three and a quarter stars, nine minutes, 50 seconds match yeah. was solid from start to finish. Although they didn't have a lot of heat at the beginning, it slowed in the middle until Rhodes took the bump of the show way over the top rope, clearing the ring steps onto the floor. The, uh, last four minutes were very good with them brawling back and forth. Finish saw Anderson go for a pin using the ropes, but he was caught by the ref. And while he was off balance, Rhodes cradled him after the match. Anderson gave Rhodes a clothesline and a DDT. And Anderson attacking Rhodes after the match got a baby face pop from the crowd. So the Dave Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan match was dud. Right. Uh, Meltzer would say as bad as this was, this was better than their match last week because Dave was on offense less forgetting about work rate. This Dave Sullivan character, as much as people deservedly praise how great he is in the role is, uh, the most not over pushed character that should have been over. I ever seen. The crowd actually cheered when Kevin suckered him, even though Hogan has all the charisma to pull it off. Dave doesn't. And people reject the force feeding. Kevin was stiff on offense, but when Dave made the comeback, it was a disaster. Interesting. His line about not over, but should be is, is right on, on that. Man, Dustin was a great, well, and he still is, but back in this era, kid was something else, man. Great being able to work with him again as well. So tell me how's uh, orange podcast. Oh my God. It's the Hitman, Thomas Hearns. How's orange podcast going? Oh, it's great, man. You doing a great job with it? Oh man, it's great. We're having a good time. Yeah, he's being funny, irreverent, being Marty Lundy. You know, he's. Uh, I think he's settling into it. You know, the first episode was just about his travels. You know, getting into the business and a brief overview of his indies on his way to signing and, and joining. You know, mid 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 Atlantic and Jim Crockett promotions. And the second episode was about leaving Crockett to go work for the WWF and. Uh, the third episode was all about uh, his feud with the nature boy, Rick Flair in 1995. And this week it's a Q and a it's hashtag ask Arn anything. Oh, very cool. Next week. We'll talk about when Flair returned from, uh, his feud with Bischoff and it was a big night on nitro. They introduced Dean as one of the horsemen and we got to see the little, uh, real life Rick Flair. Eric Bischoff thing just yeah. for a minute, which was fun. And, uh, coming up, man, we've got lots of interesting stuff and I know there's been a lot of questions about, Hey, will we, or won't we discuss the, uh, the Sid incident? And we absolutely will. So it's been, uh, it's been different from the other pods because, you know, we're talking about in depth you know, stuff with one of the boys, not someone who worked in the office or was behind right. the desk, but someone right. who was on the road and taking bumps. And I think a lot of fans have really appreciated him explaining why you did the quote unquote workers handshake and why you went and spoke to everyone every day in the locker room. And 
some of the old traditions of wrestling that maybe fans don't understand or ridicule. Arn has done a phenomenal job explaining. Which brings me to this point. <clears throat> uh, tell me in your dealings with Arn and your, uh, well, look at these kids, man. These two guys, when you, I, I, when I watch these two, you know what I think about wrestling and about being able to wrestle? What? You can either do it or you can't. You either got it or you don't. I don't think any practicing. I don't think any power planning. I don't think any uh, NXT thing can can get you over. You can you can either do it or you can't. And you can train all that you want. It's just you got to have it in you. And Arn Anderson did. And Dustin Rhodes did and does. And you just know it. I mean, that's what I think about that. Anyway, back to my original point. Uh, smart me up on this because, my God, I've been in the business for, what, 30 years? But I still don't know about the wrestler handshake, how that came to be. I know what it is, and I've done it. And I've pissed people off in real life with doing it. What's the, what's the genesis of it? It was a way to signify to the other performers that I'm going to take care of you out there. Um, you can trust me with your body. I'm safe. I'm not going to hurt you. Got you. You know, that type of deal. All right. All right. Arn, Arn does a much better job explaining it. I'll send you a, a link, but. Uh, if you want to hear this podcast, just go search for Arn, A-R-N, anywhere you enjoy podcasts, uh, or you can see about all the topics and things like that on social media at the Arn show. The name of the show is not the Arn show. The name of the show is Arn, A-R-N, but our Twitter handle is at the Arn show. So with that in mind, I can tell you that my, um, experience now backstage in AEW has been that the wrestler handshake is going the way of the dinosaur. I think, yeah, this modern era doesn't do it right. You know, there's lots of traditions in wrestling that people are sort of getting away from. Like once upon a time you had to go shake everybody's hand and introduce yourself and say hello every single day, even if you just saw him yesterday. And when you shook their hand, you did it with the wrestler handshake and nobody does that anymore. Well, I still do it, but of course I'm not going to hurt anybody. Well, you could on commentary, you know, the way you've been burying people and not getting them over and things like oh, that. Oh, would you please stop that? What? I'm not going to hurt. I'm not going to hurt anybody unless I take some blue chew. Well, I know definitely you wouldn't hurt anybody then, but I'm just saying you've like, you've like killed the business, you know, I, I didn't kill the motherfucking business and you need to get that out of your verbiage. What do you mean? Like every company you've worked for us went out of business. No, they haven't. They which, haven't. Which ones haven't? Georgia Bulldogs. Oh no, I'm out. In Atlanta Braves. I'm, I'm talking about wrestling companies. You've killed every wrestling company you've ever worked for. I have for. not killed every wrestling company I worked for. Okay, is WCW around? No, it was sold. How about Jim Crockett Promotions? No, it was sold. All right, so both of them massive losses mm -hmm. sold, you know, on the courthouse steps. Uh, what about uh, TNA? Didn't work for them. Well, a couple of days. Of oh, it. There you go. See, that's all it took to inject that poison in. And then done. <laughs> you are so full of, I mean, you're, I mean, you're so motherfucking wrong when they, when, when court Bauer brought you back, mm -hmm. I slid in his DMS 
And I said, you really need to think about this. And he's like, LOL. And I'm like, I'm just saying, I know on paper, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, I'm sure Jim Crockett and, uh, Ted Turner could tell you differently. Did we just see the bump of the night mm-hmm. over the steps or is it going to get ready to come? Wow. In this era, by the way, you guys revived the WCW magazine and you were using a company from Germany to publish it. Whose fucking idea was that? Well, I guess it was Eric Bischoff's, wasn't it? No, I'll tell you whose, whose idea it was. It was probably Sharon Sedillo's. Let's talk about where business is. All right. Your average attendance in September of 1993. Do you want to guess? For your average your, attendance in, uh, in for, 93 for WCW shows, average number of people in the building for a WCW would, show, September of 93, 1500, 640. Yikes. But don't worry. This is, Not, that was 93. We're talking about 94. Guess what? It was in September of 94. Uh, it was Hulk Hogan's here. Hulk Hogan's here. 1800, 450. Oh my God. Every time you, uh, opened the doors, flew everybody in, paid for the rental cars, paid for the hotels, paid for the security, promoted it, ran ads in the local market. You, uh, you got to recoup all that on your gates. You know, you sold your tickets. Guess what your average gate was in September of 94? 50,000. 3,200. Well, what's that telling you there, Conrad? That Tony Schiavone is in town. No, it's telling you it's this is a television business anymore. It's not an arena show business. <laughs> arena shows are gone. <laughs> Listen, I'm an expert. Tony well, Schiavone's in town. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you going to go to the wrestling show tonight? No. Why? Because that goddamn Tony Schiavone's still on TV. <laughs> <laughs> that way, you know what? They should have went live. Then they wouldn't have had to hear you. You know, <laughs> the trouble is when you watch on TV, but if you go in person, you don't hear it. Well, I'm going to fucking fool them. Cause I'm going to show up as a ring announcer. How about that? Unannounced. Why don't we, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, but at football games, if you like, if you're in person and you go to the Alabama game, you can visit a kiosk and get one of those little earpieces and throw the earpiece in. And so then you can hear the radio broadcast while you're in the stands. Right. It really adds a lot to the presentation because you lose that when you're watching in the stands. Sometimes you don't know, like, Hey, what's happening or who's hurt or what happened on that player? What are they reviewing or whatever? But if you've got this earpiece, you can sort of figure it out. They need that for wrestling. You are, you're not the first one to say that to me. And I can't remember who the other one was, but in other words, you think that there should be an earpiece. There's a one, two, three. How about that? win? There should be like a way to hear, uh, J.R. Excalibur and myself, if you go look to at the AEW crowd, event. look at the crowd, they cheered Arn Anderson getting after Dustin. Yeah. And why did they cheer on Anderson getting after Dustin? Because the horsemen are still over. That's a good idea. But it takes a lot to be able to do that. 
This is insanity. What's insanity? Just, you know, Colonel Robert Parker, Haku. Yeah. What a cast of characters. Like in 1994, how would you explain to a normal person what Colonel Parker was? What would you say? Like, pretend I'm a non-wrestling person. It's October of 94. Explain Colonel Robert Parker. to But first, mm-hmm. all right, let's get, let's get uh, here with the Hulkamaniacs. I am here just moments before the epic retirement match and what an encounter it's going to be inside of a steel cage. We've got brother Bruda and Jimmy Hart, but most of all, we're here with the world champion Hulk Hogan himself. A lot of hoopla here. Muhammad Ali ringside. And your career is on the line. Are you ready tonight, Hulkster? Are you ready to put your title on the line against Ric Flair? Well, you know something, Mean Gene? The fact is that Brother Brudai, the old brother here back to me, to my right, has brought the weed. And Jimmy Hart has the belt. And I have the thermos. And I am the world heavyweight. I've come in to WCW here. I've come into WCW. And I've resurrected this company. This company was on its ass before I got here. And Eric Bischoff came to me and says, you want to come to work here? And I said, yes, I'll come to work here. But the fact is, i got to have final say on my character. And when I say, that doesn't work for me, brother, I don't mean that type of pot. I mean that one time I, God bless his soul, picked up the giant and slammed him in front of 93,000 people. So I'll come in here to WCW and we'll do house shows of 400 people. But I may have it up to 500 people by the time 1995 comes around. Well, Hogan, you, you, you did that body slam seven years ago and you've talked about it ever since. Do you think you'll ever do anything of any significance here in WCW that could ever equal the thrill of slamming Andre at WrestleMania? Yes, I will. Every two weeks when that paycheck comes to my house, that'll be the biggest thrill that I have because I'll be making more money than any of these slapdicks here combined in this show because I'm Hulk Hogan. And I've earned it. Did I ever tell you about the time I picked up Andre the Giant, God bless his soul, in front of 93,000 people and slammed him down? That was at WrestleMania 3, the biggest house ever. The big pythons picked him up. And they, I think I've already said that earlier in this interview, so never mind. Ric Flair, I'm going to retire you here tonight, and then I'm going to turn heel in about two years from now. And then in about four years from there, we're going to retire this company. Why? Because they're going to bring in Vince Russo. He's going to completely fuck up things, and we're going to go out of business. Had they kept me in the yellow and the red all these years, we would still be in business. Well, that still remains to be seen. But I'll tell you this. If you're going to run your mouth about Russo, he's definitely going to have some things to say about you on Twitter, bro. He's going to make some paintings. It's not going to be good for you, Mr. Hulkster. And Jimmy, he knows a thing or two about not any good for you. He found out about the beans and taters. Well, you know, I'm really am mad now. I'm going to point over here to my brother. I'm going to say, give me a joint, roll it up really good. And we're going to go out. Did I ever tell you the story about when I took Andre, the giant picked him up, God bless his soul and slammed him in front of 93,000. I think I told you that story earlier. Okay. Ric Flair in the cage. I'm going to retire his ass. And what you going to do when Hulk Hogan runs wild on you? All right. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for the world title match. All right. Let's go back to good looking Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heaton in a neck brace. What the fuck? 
What do oh, you mean? Uh, what the fuck? I, I'm out here with this sequin jacket and this little baby watch. And of course I've got my pinky rings on and I don't, I just have one pinky ring. No, I have two. They're bookends. You see. And, uh, one of these pinky rings says BH on it. And I know that's inspired you, Tony. And now you've been, or you've been, uh, working with a jeweler to place a custom order for a pinky ring yourself. That says SDD. Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone what SDD yeah. stands for? It stands for suck this dick. And that's what I can tell you. Heenan suck this dick. That's right. Let's go to the ring. No, we're going to go to a package. Oh boy. Look at this cast of characters. Would you? Can you Figures. imagine what's going on in the ring right here? You got Nick Bockwinkle, Ricky Steamboat and Steve Austin. At the time, people knew that two of these guys were absolute all time legends, Steamboat and Bockwinkle, but nobody knew what Steve Austin was going to be. They thought he was going to be a big deal, but nobody could have ever predicted that he would be a bigger star than everyone in the building times 10. I know. And adding to that, the fact is that we were going to have him do the job to hacksaw Jim Duggan here. What in the world were we thinking? By the way, for you people online, our time code is one thirteen forty eight forty nine fifty fifty one. But we like to do this show to where you can watch along if you want. If not, if you're driving, if you're in your car, if you're in your truck, you want to listen to us, listen. A lot of people listen to podcasts when they're stuck in traffic. You can still listen to it. I'm a great American. God bless America. Ricky, hang on to me. I'm getting ready to do a fucking bump. One of the more likable people ever in wrestling, I would think. Don't how you agree? How about these Bockwinkle glasses? How about Bockwinkle? I feel like the Bockwinkle glasses. By the way, this is from Fall Brawl. This is the month prior. And and Hacksaw Jim Duggan just won the United States Championship from Steve Austin in seconds. Yikes. In hindsight. What top, were we doing? One of the top 10 dumbest title switches ever. Yeah. What's I, I think uh, now that we look back on it here in uh, 2019, yeah, it was considering, uh, how much do you think that, uh, he being Hogan's friend had to do with that? A lot. Here's what's interesting. Renegade beats Arn Anderson for the TV title in this era. Yeah. And Duggan beats Steve Austin for the U S title. Also little Easter egg. That's kind of fun. When you think about how it came to be the tombstones that are part of the set design here for Halloween havoc, one of them says Crockett. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, that's shitty. What a shot. But the reality is one of the guys, if not the key guy and helping put together the set design here, David Crockett. That's right. So he has a sense of humor. Sure. He does. And he gets it and he had a job and he worked hard at it. And, uh, how about, uh, about Jim Crockett? Have we talked about that? We haven't. You want to tell everybody? 
Jim Crockett has come to StarCast. When was the last time you saw Jim Crockett make a personal appearance? Uh, probably six years ago. At a wrestling, now, now wait a minute. That's not a wrestling appearance. That was a baseball appearance. Okay. So a wrestling personal appearance. I've never seen him make one. Yep. This is the first one. Yeah. He made a, he made an appearance at the new, uh, Charlotte baseball park because they were honoring the family because they owned the, they were longtime owners of the baseball club and, in Charlotte. So the whole family came out and received a, a plaque. And that's when I saw him. That's, so that's the last time I saw him, but yeah, Jim Crockett has never made a wrestling appearance, but he will coming up in Baltimore, November 7th through the 9th through the 10th. Steve Austin, like a house of fire in here. Got the trunks on that say us champ. He's on a mission to get his belt back. These guys are going to go eight minutes and two seconds. And, uh, what a fuck finish it's going to be. It's going to be a DQ for a backdrop over the top rope. Oh, really? I mean, what the fuck on paper for you too? That old school backdrop over the, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. Tony, um, I've been meaning to ask you something here. Oh my God. What? Well, when you set up questions like that, sometimes you never know what's going to happen. Well, but go ahead. We're he, friends. We've been doing this long enough. We're in our third year, third season, if you will, but go ahead. We're, we're rounding the bases and we're almost into Thanksgiving territory. Right. And when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about turkeys and, okay. I, and as a kid, I'm sure you had to do this too in school or, you know, whatever. There was an activity in your, in your childhood where you had to make what's commonly referred to as a hand Turkey. No, a hand. Yes. You would take your hand and trace it and trace it. Right. And we call that a hand Turkey, a hand Turkey. Okay. I didn't know what you called that, but thank you. Hand Turkey. I mean, you know what I mean though, right? A hand Turkey. Yeah. Hand and Turkey. I got it. So here's what I'm suggesting. I think for our friends at blue chew and for our Patreon. All right. You should draw a hand Turkey with your penis. So instead of putting your hand down and tracing your hand and making it into a Turkey. We should do it with your twig and berries. We should do it with your Franken beans. That would be awfully difficult to do. Well, I challenged great friend of the show, Cassio kid to do this recently. Oh my God. And he did it. Yeah. Because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> here's the, here's the rib. He says it didn't look like a hand Turkey. It looked like a miniature pumpkin <laughs> because it was sort of roundish oblong oval shaped with a tiny stem with coming a little, out of with it. a little tiny <laughs> stem <laughs> and i just think it would be cool if we started to get like we could make this our new thing in wrestling no just we couldn't hand turkeys of yeah. all the wrestler dicks and then bitch. make them shirts at loisrules.com we have officially 
run out of shit to talk about here <laughs> on what happened when. What hand turkey dicks? You know, <laughs> I'm getting over hand turkeys. I'm telling you, there will be a hand turkey shirt on LoisRules.com before next week's show airs. Hand turkey dicks. <laughs> What would be great is, you know, we could put a little two by four in one of them's hand. We know that's hacksaw's dick. We could put, <laughs> we could put two beers in, in one of the hand turkeys <laughs> we know that's Steve Austin. We could put one with a yellow bandana on. We know that's <laughs> the Hulkster. Put a robe on one of them. That's flair. <laughs> hand turkey dicks. <laughs> hand turkey dicks. <laughs> What do you think? Are you in just in time for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I don't know. Don't let Lois know that. Don't let Lois know about that verbiage. She'll look at me. She'll say, would you stop shaking that hand turkey dick at me? Here's the thing. Lois is really the low key inspiration because she had a nickname for one of her meals that she would prepare for the children. Right. Yeah. Donkey dicks. And tell everybody exactly what a donkey dick is. It is a kielbasa. That's not even a word. Okay. What, what kielbasa? There you go. Okay. If you know the right way, why do you say it the wrong way? I don't know. Why did I say Yete? Okay. At that building. I thought you were two trying years to later. be entertaining. I got it. Hey, it wasn't two years later. It was the next year. Oh, the next year. Oh let yeah. Me, let okay. me ask you, um, you know, those little candies that have the candy shell, but on the inside it's peanut butter. It's not an M and M, but it's shaped like one, but it has peanut butter on the inside. What do you call those? Reese's pieces. Why do some motherfuckers call that shit? Reese's pieces. <laughs> Why pieces ain't a word. Motherfucker. Pieces is a word, but not pieces. Where, where the fuck did pieces go? It just <laughs> says pieces. Why, why are you saying it, it's Reese's pieces that fucking can, legitimate can I, rhymes? Can I ask you something? Yeah. You know, the name of a person that calls it pieces. <laughs> yes, I know several. Well, give me one so we can shame him right here on the show. Cassio Kid. Cassio Kid. Of course. Of course. Pumpkin Dick. (laughs) Oh, God. That pumpkin dick, Cassio Kid, calls it Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. That's not. You don't pronounce either word that way. I'm going to text. You know what? I, I. while we're getting on Casio kid, I watched an episode of Casio's cuts on YouTube. Why? That's right. I text you that. And that's exactly what you text me back. One word. Why? It was one of the worst fucking things I'd ever seen in my life. Poor old Doug Markham sitting there like a fucking lug. And the only thing that saved that thing was big booty Judy looking as only as she could look. And they bring a fucking somebody sends him a cockroach in a fucking box. And they bring the fucking dog. I'm thinking, oh, well, I guess there's all forms of entertainment all around the world. Unfortunately, that was not one of them. Let's process how desperate for content you must be to think, well, we'll just film Doug Markham. That'll get over. (laughs) Good God. By the way, Doug Markham came over to my uh, low key nitro party last week. Did Did he really? Uh, yeah, I had a a host, a host of friends in my basement theater last Wednesday night for dynamite and NXT Uh and it was tremendous. So Markham comes in late, not complaining, just saying at that point he has to introduce himself to everyone. Right. 
Right. Well, he missed a guy. And so then later it's uh, it's my AV guy who takes care of everything here at the house. And he's also a realtor and most importantly, a friend of mine, but he didn't know Doug cause he's not one of my quote unquote wrestling friends. So he says, uh, Hey Doug, I didn't meet you earlier. Or I didn't introduce myself earlier. I'm Bo. Now remember he started the sentence with, Hey Doug, I didn't get a chance to introduce myself earlier. I'm Bo. Nice to meet you. And Doug sticks his hand out and says, I'm Doug, man. That's what I knew. <laughs> Fucking Markham is high. I'm Doug, man. man. Dude, the whole, he literally started the conversation with, Hey, Doug. Heard you DQ, Conrad. Terrible. Yeah. I'm Doug, man. I'm going to text that motherfucker right now. Dude, that, that's not a way to, I mean, neither one of those words sound like that. No, they don't. Oh. Reese's PCs. What is he going to, is he going to, is, uh, Cassie going to be with us at, uh, at Zany's? I, I would love for him to, and I think he would like to. So maybe here's the situation though. That's going to be a super, super late night show. Oh, that's right. And he's got to get up. He's got to do radio here in town and that's two hours away. So yeah, he won't do it. Maybe, but if he does that next day is going to suck. He's going to be in there on like three hours sleep, but there's a chance because he really enjoys what we're doing. Yeah. One thing about it is, and, and I hope that people who come to our shows feel the same way. We, we truly do have fun putting the shows on. And when you have fun, I think it comes across to people. Um, and I think that may, you know what, Conrad, when I think about it, wait a minute. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are here at the Joe Louis arena and there you can call the wrestling hot. What the fuck is he walking behind me for? He just lost. Well, one 9900 press option two. If you think this finish sucked, press option three. If you think the guy that walked behind me is going to be a bigger star, press option four. If you want to kill yourself by watching this show, press option five. If you think our company's not going to last past the year 2001, press option six. If you run out of buttons to press right now, though, we've got to go bring out sting. But before we bring out Sting, I think some dumb motherfucker's going to walk right in front of me right now. That's right. Don't you know there's a camera there, you dumb son of a bitch? Let's bring in the one, the only man with the blonde hair. This is Sting. And he was fired up to answer this Sting right there. Yeah, yeah, baby. Woo. That's right. Woo. That's right. Well, Sting, the word's out. You're going to be coming to StarCast 4. And you're going to be wearing the red, white, and blue face paint that you wore at that big show in Baltimore. Why don't you tell us all about it? It's all you, baby. All right. Well, Gene, yes, I'm going to wear the red, white, and blue face paint because my friend Conrad said, I'll pay you a lot of money to do it. And that'd be the only reason I do it because I told Conrad, I don't want to wear the red, white, and blue face paint because that doesn't work for me, brother. There you go. Red, white, and blue plate. 
face paint. That's pretty fucking cool. Hey, uh, make that noise again. That was fun. Dude, that was cool. That sounds like okay. you're. You know, like I, I was going to bring up a point. Turn around here, brain. Uh, the point I was going to bring up is that when you have fun, would you turn around here, you stupid mother? When you have fun doing a wrestling show or even a stage show, then the fun that you're having is contagious and the fans have fun and they want to come back. And if you go back and you think about it, I have a revelation back in 2000 and 1999, 2000, and even the early part of 2001, we weren't having fun. The fans there weren't having fun. No one was having fun and therefore the fun was not contagious. Fun is the word fun sells fun makes you want to come back. We weren't having fun. Right now we're having fun, but let's go to the videotape. Don't you agree with that though? I do. And look at Vader here with the, uh, the baton. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is when Ray was the guardian angel. Oh, he was rather large there as well. What'd you think of this guardian angel gimmick piece of shit? <laughs> well, I thought, I thought we could have, uh, you know, the, the guardian angels were legit. No, listen, it was very topical at the time. This was right. An Eric Bischoff idea. You had seen a lot of good being done by this organization and they were at the time all over daytime TV. Um, you know, shows like Maury Povich and. Montel and all those type of daytime talk shows. They've got, oh, hardly going for the head, but always tickles me. <laughs> Cause I feel like when you finally get Francine up to your room drunk, that's the way you're going to get in it. You're just going to face plant. Just whoop. <laughs> oh God, Francine. I love you. Harley is 79 years old. I was thinking the same thing. Fuck it. I'm going over the top. (laughs) That fucking bump. Motherfucker. So where are you at on hand turkeys? Are we doing this? Because if we put a crown on one of them, we can say that was Harley. Okay. I'm going to be very honest. As honest with you as I can about it. I've ever been on this podcast. I'm not putting my dick on a piece of construction paper and tracing around (laughs) it. All right. Hypothetically, hypothetically, (laughs) F for science. (laughs) (laughs) You think this is chemistry class? What the fuck? Biology and and entertainment. Just hang on. Okay. When we're having fun, right? When we're having fun, it's infectious. She said, <laughs> why don't, if I could convince, oh my God, is he really going to do this? What a great camera shot too. Mm. If I could get Francine to draw it for you. Also, all you got to do is put it on. The, she'll even bring the construction paper. <laughs> you just get it ready and she'll have yeah. the pen and the construction paper and knock it out. Would you, would that change your mind? Uh, yeah, no, it would not. Because I have a thing about giving a woman a sharp object near my dick. Right, we'll have her do it with a crayon. <laughs> Wait, are you worried that she would try to do some sounding? 
sounding. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Sounding? What, what, you don't know about sounding? No, I don't. I've never heard of sounding. It's where you put a rod up your urethra. <laughs> and then, okay, uh, let's go to the <laughs> ring. <laughs> hey, shit. <laughs> let's, let's stop that line of thought right now. <laughs> God. Can I tell you a story about, about my, sounding about my, about my Aretha? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the best transition in the history of our great sport. My Aretha is better than ever now. Thanks to purple mattress. <laughs> and especially when I elongated, thanks to blue chew. I have been after years of abuse with blue chew. No blue chew didn't hurt my body. It got me harder than I hurt my body. I love, can I tell you a story about, <laughs> about your Aretha? Oh, yes, please. Do. I'm ready. Tell me. Okay. Whew. When I, uh, in 1995, actually about five months after this show, I had my major neck surgery. Uh, actually it was probably about seven months after the show, May of 1995. Had my neck surgery, major surgery. It was a big deal. I was in surgery for a long time. And when I came, when I came out of recovery, I remember coming out of recovery. Now we're talking about, they had gone into my hip, taken out a part of a bone and sawed part of my, it was just a big thing. And so I was in this hard brace like Heenan is right now on the show. And I remember when I got in recovery, the only thing I, I remember Lois came in and she looked at me and the first thing out of my mouth was what is sticking in my dick? And Lois says, what do you mean? I says, my dick hurts. You only knew the power of the dark side. It was a catheter, which I'd never had before. So I remember telling the nurse that, uh, the catheter is much worse than neck surgery. Have you ever had a catheter in your Aretha? No. It is the worst thing ever. It is the absolute worst thing ever. So if somebody, and so if somebody ever says, we got to put a catheter in Conrad say, no, I'll just do some sounding instead. Worst thing ever. Worst what if, what if Francine said, all right, Tony, I'm in, <laughs> but I'm in the sounding. Nope. I ain't doing it. Nope. Uh, what if she like said, what about my big boobs and showed them to you? Uh, you mean she would show me her boobs, but I had to do the sounding. Yeah. Well, I think she, I mean, what if she just, Hey, I'm going to just I'm gonna turn my head and let you finish. But wow. I got to do some sounding. All right. Uh, ne- meanwhile, let's go. Harley race on the outside. I see you. Oh. Here we go. Leon had something to say with, uh, I mean, realistically, these are two big badass motherfuckers here and the match is pretty good for what it is. Two and three quarter stars. 
Uh, but this guardian angel version of Ray trailer, it's just, it's a miss. And Meltzer agrees. He says, angel got no reaction coming out while Vader seemed to almost get a face pop. Maybe these Detroit folks are just there for the heels. Yeah. The, the Detroit folks are forever. Who's ever over. Meltzer would yeah. say really angels character is almost too obnoxious to get over as a face. Right. He says this was a good match, but it was no different than the match they've had on television too many times. Do you think that guys would fall into traps where they just get into a routine and do the same thing? Oh yeah. I mean, that's well-documented because they, you go back to what you feel comfortable with. And, and I, I, that's probably happened some today too. I would think. <laughs> Ray could do some pretty good shit as a big guy though, man. Somebody had told me, and you probably are in, probably know about this. Uh, isn't his daughter, Ray's daughter, doing something? Oh, really? Yeah. She's got a foundation or something in memory of her dad. Somebody had told me that. And that's all I remember. And that was just recently they said that. Because we were talking about Ray Trailer and not. I was talking to this person, although I don't know who it was. Sorry. And we were talking about what a great guy that Ray was. And he was a, you know, Georgia native and, you know, he was big Bubba and dusty found him. And I think Cody may have told me that story about her. Huh? Not sure. Cause Cody and I have such great conversations. We really do. Oh, I, I know I'm talking about AEW again, but we do. <laughs> no, no, stop it. As a shoot, sincerely have no. great conversations. Don't, don't get that slurping noise to me. I, I was drinking a water. I was thirsty. <laughs> Bullshit. I was drinking the water. Look, you're going to pick the big man up. Oh, that's your oh, fuck. Holy shit. Look at Harley. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus Christ. He slammed that big fucker on him. You know what I just realized? What? It's, uh, it's like almost about that time. Okay. We got to go. No, Is no, it no, 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 no. I'm just saying, you know, we got out of the habit because we've done a Q and a episode and we did, uh, Tony returns the TNT episode. What you're, you're, you're not, you're doing, you're going to make me, you want me to, oh, uh, you want really? Yeah. We're talking about Tony Reed's ramp. I know what you're thinking. <gasps> we're still doing it. Yes. We're still doing it. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Why are you being like that? So what song do we have to read today? Conrad. Today, we've got Take That Shit to Trial. Or I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, trial Time from The Last Mr. Big. What? Yeah. That's actually a thing? Yeah. I'm going to play a little bit of the real song just so you can get a flavor for it. This is a, a deep cut, and uh, it's probably going to be 
rather difficult to find an instrumental version, but I just want you to be able to get like a flavor for what the song sounds like. You okay with that? Yeah. New center KBD to be released. And I asked him, why do you really care about my f- go home? You want to know what I started selling back in 1986. All right, so that gives you an idea. Yeah. Of the beat or whatever. Yeah. And you've got the lyrics. Yeah. I mean, are you nervous about this? Or you no, like I'm not, of, no, I'm never nervous. Feel like you're out of practice? No. I just, I don't want people to feel ill of me oh you think people don't like you doing this no no i just think that no i I don't want people to okay let's go here we go ready i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna, gonna get the beat wrong i get it but i'll do what i can oh by the way before we start unless you uh are we going to do karaoke at starcast absolutely Remember, we do 80s music and karaoke and Starcast. Unless you slip in a uh, a rap song. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Trial Time by The Last Mr. Big. I started selling dope back in 1986. I bought a Cadillac and then put them things on that bitch. The brains blowed out with the white leather seats. Fiener's fiend for that butts because I other shit is weak. I was only 17 at the neighborhood hooked. I have them stealing out their crib because my crack tastes like ribs. I'm up in the morning with the rest of these rookies. You out here selling them dimes, bitch. I'm out here selling them cookies. I'm flying out of town, getting them things for 12, 5, 400, 4 an ounce. And 650 when it's dry. Pyrex dishes in the motherfucking kitchen. Word around town, Mr. Big got them chickens. <laughs> that player bought a house for a small by the lake and gave his grandma a set of keys to the safe. Them jealous ass marks. Ooh, that's a good line. And them hoes started hating to see my little sister drive a Benz to graduation. I'm tripping on that Hennessy. And I'm smoking on them buds. I still got love for them players selling them dubs. I remember when I used to do the same shit. Buy a half ounce, cut it up, and sold the block up. Can't put my Glock up. My Glock is my hoe. And my hoe go everywhere I go. Which one of you fake-ass marks want to harm me? I say you better bring the Navy, because I'm finna bringing that army. I'm finna bring that army. You get 12 white folks and take that shit to trial, bitch. <laughs> I got to make a plan because them laws is on my ass. I got a bird and I got to sell it fast. They know about the down payment on my third house. They know about the diamond in my little sister's mouth. They know about the bins and the black pathfinder. They know about the vacation trip I took to China. They know about the hoe I was fucking named Kathy. Heard she got busted with a bird in Tallahassee. 
Oh. And now they're trying to say that yay belonging to me. I know them trying to get me because these uh, <clears throat> guys keep holding them nuts on me. Uh, dicky suits and bulletproofs and steel toes. You fake ass guys gone need some real hoes. So go ahead and make up that hand turkey. I pack my shit because it's time for me to go. I'm getting tired of them kicking at my door. And even though they don't find shit, they talk shit, asking questions, saying how the fuck you bought that shit. And how the fuck you don't work but drive different cars. You got them on the interstate in a Jaguar where the dope and the motherfucking guns at will let you go if you sell, tell us where your son at. Shit. I don't know nothing. Light it up and type it up. And the DA's really because we gonna strike it up. <clears throat> now, I'm down in New Orleans with my Annie and my granny, the clean side of Mr. Big family. They know I'm on the run, so I can't use the phone. My motherfucking babies, they don't even know I'm gone. Let my mama, left my mama $20,000, 20000 for my babies and the bill money. And I'm in the attic smoking weed because I think this shit is still funny. Make them kill me or turn myself in shit. I'm facing life in the goddamn pen. The DA want to see a brother fry, bring players back to the pen to testify. Yeah, I bought some guns for him, and yeah, he sold me some dope. Mark's telling me on me that I've never seen before. Everybody want to sell dope and try to get rich. Out in the corner, just want to get indicted. You told on yourself, you told on me, you might as well heard me. You might heard of me, but you never bought no bird from me. Pussy-ass Mark's got this game fucked up. That's the line of the song. <laughs> That's the line of the song. Right? Pussy-ass Mark's got them gay, got this game fucked up. Telling on Mark's just to get them time cut. An SKS with a magnifying scope. If you want to fuck with me, bitch, you better get them white folks. All you hoes and all you Mark's better take that shit to the motherfucking trial. All you hoes and all you marks better take that shit to the motherfucking trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. 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 And just for shits and giggles, pussy-ass marks has got this game fucked up. This is from what, Mr. Big? That was great. Uh... Was Mr. Big in trouble? Uh, you mean in this song? Uh, no, was he legit in trouble? I don't think so. Because it sounded like he was on the run for the cops. Oh, in this Maybe song, it, yes. Oh, okay. But that this wasn't trying, this wasn't real life. I was a big fan of uh, this particular song. You did a great job with this. You really like this song? Oh, dude, it's tremendous. Well, I mean, what a great line it is. Like, I don't, I, you just sort of skipped over it. But he's talking about how he is a uh, 
boy sells crack. And he says, I was only 17, had the neighborhood hooked. Had him stealing out the crib because my crack tastes like ribs. He rhymed crib and ribs. That's great stuff. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's ingenious shit. That's stuff that Bird Bacharach would have brought. Would have Neil Diamond. I was a big fan shit. of when you lost it. When he's when he says they know about the hoe I was fucking named Kathy. <laughs> Heard she got busted with a bird in Tallahassee. <laughs> you fucking love that one. I uh, know. Well, that's just okay. That's kind of just throwing shit together, don't you think? But that's that's music today. I get it. I understand. What, what, a, what, what a great I way mean, to start the song. I started selling dope back in 1986. I bought a Cadillac and put them things on that bitch. Come on, that's awesome. Do you think so? I want to make a wrestling version of that. For Art like Arn Anderson. I started selling bags. I was back in 1979. Okay, well, you know, to each their own, I, uh, I mean, who am I to, uh, who am I to criticize? Next up, we've got the Nasty Boys on one side, Terry Funk and Bunkhouse Buck on the other. We've got a little package here as we're visiting how we got here. The gates open up. Here they come. Terry Funk and Mance Warner's daddy, Bunkhouse Buck, also from Buck Snort, Tennessee. What a crew, man. Terry Funk lives forever, too, doesn't he? Dude, I just have an irrational hate of Colonel Robert Parker. I know he's a great performer, but this outfit, how would you describe, I mean, how would you explain this to somebody? I would say, uh, this is a, a plantation owner's. It's, by uh, the way, it's 1994. You use a plantation owner. I know it's 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 wrong, isn't it? But the idea was Colonel Robert Parker was kind of like I mean he should have been with uh, the honky tonk man, right? Now Colonel Tom Parker didn't dress like this, but that was the idea. Here they come, the nasty boys. We are the boys. How about that jack o' lantern <laughs> and the Beavis and Butthead mask? By the way, the nasty boys theme song. Where are you at? One of the best. Oh yeah, love it. I don't. know. I mean, really, Jimmy Hart is probably the most underrated music guy. Oh yeah, he's low key. But I mean, no, nobody, everybody always talks about Jim Johnson. That's what I mean. Oh, Jim Johnson. Okay. But no, no, I'm saying people talk about Jim Johnson. They don't talk about Jimmy Hart and Jimmy Hart right. did a great job. Right. Don't you think he was, oh, he was phenomenal. And I, I've watched, I, I went to a studio and watched Jimmy in action, mixing music. I mean, he had the guy knew music. Everybody talks, but we don't 
boys. Tony, I got an idea. Okay. I got another. Oh, these ideas are always dangerous coming from you. Really? When it comes to wrestling podcasts, I think you yeah. and I are the nasty boys. I mean, look at what we're, you earlier came up with an idea to have professional wrestlers draw hand turkey dicks. Like that's where we are. All know? right. And All right. Now. All right. Let's get this straight. Don't you saddle me with that idea, but go ahead. I'm just saying What's maybe your idea. Maybe we need a remix and maybe you and I need to market ourselves as the nasty boys of wrestling podcasting. And perhaps I'm just saying, perhaps next week on the show, you and I should do a little cosplay. Maybe we could go trick or treating as the nasty boys. I mean, Halloween is next, next Thursday, right? You'll be home. She'll yes. be a dynamite on Wednesday, but she'll come home on Thursday. That's right. And I think me and you need to go ring some doorbells as the nasty boys with the song blaring on a, on a boom box. I think that'd be great. Now you have been a nasty boy in your, in my life. Yes. Your life in your childhood trick or treating, but it might be time to dust it off and do it again. What do you think? That's not a bad idea. Actually. Uh, now your neighborhood only has two houses in it though. Yeah. So we'd have to do it in another neighborhood. Let's, I, how about Silva's neighborhood? Yes. Perfect. Okay. We stop at Silva's house first. We are the boys. We are the boys. We are the, the nasty boys. boys. <laughs> I actually like that. It's much better than pumpkin dicks or and turkeys and turkey dick. Take you to pity city. We're the boys. How's knobs doing? Have you We're read or boys. heard? I think he's better. Is he? He's on the mend. Good. I saw Jim Duggan just came to visit him not too long ago and posted something. On social media. Where's Brian living? Is he still down in Florida? Yep. Hey, we didn't talk about this much earlier. We started it and then we sort of moved away, but anything you want to say about the Bischoff thing? I mean, yeah. Uh, let me think about how to, how to, how to say it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very upset. Because I'm not so sure Eric was given a chance. There's no way you can bring somebody in and say, okay, four weeks later, we don't like what you're doing. You got to give it a chance. Um, and I really think that he was brought in and not given the chance. And I'm saying that from someone who has not talked to Eric, has not talked to Bruce, has not talked to Vince. I've not talked to any, I'm just looking from afar and maybe looking from afar is poor judgment. Maybe something happened that I don't know. You know, I know they, you do remember that, uh, after WCW closed, they brought, I don't know if you know this, I'm, I'm sure it's out there, but they brought in Vince Russo, right? Right. And he didn't last long, right? Right. Well, he went in and the reason he didn't last long was 
according to Vince, what Vince told me, Vince Russo told me that he went and told Vince McMahon, you got to get rid of your daughter. She just is not cutting it. And that obviously something like that would get somebody fired. But I don't think Eric Bischoff would ever do anything like that. I think Bischoff would just work hard, put his nose to the grindstone and try to put out the best show he could. That being said, I don't know what happened. And I'm very, very disappointed. I'm a very heartbroken for Eric. And I think it's wrong. I think if somebody pulls up his, his stakes and moves all the way across the country, ready to start anew, that you should let him, you should give him a shot. That being said, is there's more part of the story that I'm not aware of? I mean, I don't, I don't know everything. I just know that, uh, a lot of people were caught off guard last week and it was the talk of the internet. And since you're on the, uh, the family of shows here, I thought I should let you have a minute yeah. to address well, thank you. whatever, thank however you. you wanted. Thank you. There's a part of me that, that wants to say, God damn it, Vince, what the fuck are you doing with people's lives? That, that, was, that was my first reaction when I saw that. My second reaction was Tony made the right choice. <laughs> uh, so uh, I just, I'm, I'm very, there's a part of me that's very angry because of it. It is. It's almost as if uh, there's this board game called the game of life. And Vince is playing it with people's lives. And that's wrong. I, I sent Eric, I, I sent Eric a text, didn't call him. I told Eric, uh, I don't have it with me, so I can't read it, that I'm very sorry to hear what happened. Anything I can do for you on this end, please let me know. And he responded with thanks, Tony, exclamation point. I didn't call him because I, I didn't, I would not know what to say. I would, it would be very awkward for me to call him because I would, I would not find the words, but I could in the text. So I texted. Uh, have you and he done a podcast since then? We have. Yeah. It just came out, uh, this past Monday on the 21st. How's his, how's his, how's his mindset? Is he feeling okay? Yeah. I mean, listen, he's disappointed, listen, but he handled it the right way on social media. I can tell you that. When you put over Bruce? Yes. Yeah. He was a pro at it. And that tell you know, that, that shows me something that I think, I hope tells people something about Eric Bischoff that all of us knew. And that is, even though Eric made some mistakes in WCW and even though Eric at times let his ego get the better of him, Eric at the core was always a good guy. He was, he was always a good guy. And, uh, so I, <laughs> ass on the pumpkin uh the fans kind of like this finish didn't they speaking of pumpkins did you hear um me and taz get into it last week no he's fucking not happy with me really yeah well you know i hung out with him in philadelphia a little bit your name never came up yeah doesn't surprise me he came, why is he man we we did a pot he asked me to come on his show and talk about some podcast controversy stuff this past Friday. And I agreed to do it. It was just literally a last minute thing. I jumped right. on and maybe it was Thursday. It was Thursday or Friday, but it was like end of the day. Yeah, it was Thursday. So he, uh, 
Yeah, he was not happy because I sort of freestyled and had fun like we do here on the show, and I don't think he has our sense of humor. And I told him that he wasn't allowed to not like Halloween because he said, you know, something like he hated Halloween because he hated trick-or-treaters and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you can't do that. He said, what do you mean? I said, you based your entire fucking career on Halloween. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Taz was a Halloween gimmick. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, well, you're black and orange. And that one time he wrestled Sabu and Worcester, he hit you upside the head and candy came out. And on the go home promo for barely legal, the first ECW pay-per-view that you headlined, you said trick or treat brother. You don't remember all that. He was fucking not happy. Wow. You really know how to pull his strings, don't you? I think he's going to dump me on my head, which is not good for me or the floor. Oh, well, that's disappointing. That's another disappointing story because I like you and I like Taz a lot. I like Taz a lot. I just don't want to get choked out. And I thought that Taz did a great job on AEW dark that dropped yesterday. Oh yeah. You saw it. I hadn't seen it yet. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Of course I saw it. I saw it as it happened for you people on, for you, uh, guys on Patreon, uh, it hasn't, uh, AEW dark hasn't dropped yet. It drops on Tuesday, but for everybody else that this show drops on Wednesday, it's already dropped. And of course our shows are evergreen, but now speaking of Eric Bischoff being a good guy. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Bill Shaw, uh, who we're getting ready to see when we uh, when we take the three shot or four shot here. Uh, Mr. Bill Shaw, who is the one who was instrumental in Eric Bischoff taking over the company. He was one of uh, Ted Turner's right hand men, and uh, he uh, they presented Muhammad Ali with a check, although they never you know wasn't the gimmick big check. It was just a check in an envelope. And, uh, in hindsight, should have been a big check. Should have been a big check. Right. Would have been funny if Shaw just like reached into his pocket and pulled out a rubber band of hundreds. Right. <laughs> and of course, uh, this was for the, uh, I think the Muhammad Ali foundation, I may not have the, the words right there. It may have been something else, but, uh, obviously Muhammad Ali. Yeah, big deal in Detroit. And of course, here's Eric Bischoff and, and Gene did a great job of introducing Eric. Uh, and uh, this, uh, we, we'll take a shot of Eric here in a minute. And that's, that's, a, that's Eric Bischoff. I knew that's a baby face. Look, that's a sincere look. And that's a kid who, uh, as Gene said in his, uh, lead in right there, the blood, sweat and tears in this company. So. How about the lady in the front row with the sign that says Muhammad Ali, you're simply the best. And it's Y O U R. I mean, but she put a lot of time into that sign. It's got a lot of sequined yeah. trim around the outside and yeah, blood, sweat and tears into that sign too. And she's, she's not a kid. This is a very grown woman. Yeah. She's uh... But, you know, I, I, I think we, we had just been talking about Eric and I was talking about what type of guy Eric Bischoff really is. And I think that facial expression and that reaction said it all right there about what type of guy Eric is. I hope, I hope he lands on his feet. Uh, 
God, I feel bad for him. And there's a lot of me that's pissed off too. Uh, but Klondike Bill and the crew are building the cage right now. Can't wait. The uh, the way you guys would have to, you know, filibuster before the main event whenever you're putting up a cage like this. That's got to be a big thing you have to play in front of the production meeting with packages and stand-ups and wraparounds. And right. Do you think that hurts the momentum of a show or do you have to, is there a way to do it skillfully? You mean, is there a way to, to build the cage skillfully or quickly or to, to, to keep the, the show time? from coming to a stall to, to yeah. a halt? Like if you've got some momentum and it's action, 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 and now we've got to do all this other stuff. Uh, is it like, you know, Hey, we've got to have a hard hitting package or, you know, how do you sort of fill the time? Well, normally we would have a hard hitting package and normally we would, uh, uh, fill it with the storyline to get you caught up on the story. Although there was a school of thought that always, that, that always said, well, by the time they get to the pay-per-view, they know the story. I, I never thought that was the correct line of thinking. Uh, but you know, they, they started building the cage quicker because they started flying the cage in. Explain what that means. All right. Uh, the old school way would to be have guys build one side, build another side, hook it to that and build all four sides around the ring. The new school way would be to take the cage already have it built, have it suspended like they do right here and lower the cage to the ring. That would, that would certainly, uh, speed up the setup time with the cage. And it made it was a little bit more dramatic. Don't you think? Oh, for sure. I just Bring know the, a lot of people would not be familiar with the phrase fly the cage in. Right. They, they dropped the cage from the ceiling. And here and we come. The, the nature boy, Ric Flair looking only as he can look. I think that's my favorite robe. I can't find. Uh, I yeah, say I this at least once or twice a year. If you know where this flare butterfly robe is, hit me up. I would love to buy you a brand new forerunner in exchange for it. It's the coolest flare uh, robe. I mean, it's the one I remember most when he was on the cover of the WWF magazine and it was a big deal at the time. And that's also the robe that has floated around with Sherry Martell posing in it, presumably naked, but I don't Thanks. know. Did, uh, Flair always sort of insinuated that him and Sherry were just drinking buddies, but you, and you were just freestyling, probably trying to look for a laugh, but right. do you think, uh, she ever legitimately got a uh, one-way trip on space mountain? Uh, I think it's possible. I think once you start drinking a lot with a girl like that, that something would eventually happen at the end of the night at times. I think that's possible. But then again, there's, there's always the case of, you know, uh, Sherry seemed to be unhinged at times and he just probably didn't want to have that trouble. Just freestyling here again. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Brother Brute, I almost busted his ass. Oh, by the way, for you, uh, 
you guys and gals online, 208 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. When you, um, when you go to a wrestling show, when was the last time you went to a wrestling show just to watch it? Double or nothing? Is that it? Yeah. Did you have any treats? What did you enjoy? Did you have like a diet coat or a diet Mountain Dew and some Reese's PCs? Uh, no, I, I would have, uh, I would have drunk, uh, I think I had a, uh, I didn't have any Reese's PCs, but I did. I think I had a, a, a drink. I think I had a cocktail. Wow. You put a little booze in it. Yeah. I think, uh, Matt, my son, who was with me, if you'll recall, uh, since you so grace graciously got the so tickets, uh, went and got me, uh, something to drink and I'm not really a beer drinker, but, uh, he got me some booze and you know what? Can I, <sighs> Jim Ross has got me to drinking again. Yes, he has. He introduced me to Moscow mules and man, I like them. And I'm telling you, I went, I went years I would go to the doctor and he, they, they would, they would always put on the, you know, on this thing, you got to fill out, you got to fill it out every time for some unknown reason. They would always put, do you drink? Yes or no. And I would always click no or check. No. Uh, do you drink? Uh, have you had any drinks? And I was to go, yes. How many drinks do you have per month per year? And I would go one drink per month. Normally. That's a lot more now. Oh yeah. I got to stop. What are we up to now? Uh, I would say maybe 10 drinks a month. Oh, Jesus. You got to slow down. Yeah. You're going to die. I maybe have, (laughs) I maybe have two drinks per week. You're telling me that every third day you have one adult beverage. Yeah. Fuck Tony. You're going to have a meeting or something. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listen. Sincerely, that's, I, it ain't good for you. All right. It ain't good for you. So I need to stop. I'm not talking about being inebriated. I'm talking about for you. Here comes the cage. Here comes the cage. Here's the dramatic drop of the cage. I don't know if you know this, but as they're dropping the cage, I know we've got the sound muted, but, and look how it's coming down crooked. It's the most WCW thing ever. <laughs> um, that camera shot is too. I like it. I like the crooked camera shot. It makes me feel like it's old school Batman. Look at this fucking thing. <laughs> anyway, as they were lowering it, the dramatic yeah. music that they chose here in uh-huh. 1994 was trial time by Mr. Big. <laughs> of course it was. Why? Because as we just found out via the lyrics, it was a dramatic song. Dude, I got to make a Tony Schiavone version of that. Cause you started calling wrestling in 83, right? Yes. I started putting over spots back in 1983. Come on. Them pussy ass marks. Still coming for me. Of which I was one. For many a year. Don't fuck with me. I'll stick it in your fucking ear. 
I'll have a Moscow Mule because I don't drink beer. I want to fuck Francine, but I got to whisper that so Lois won't hear. Mr. T, can you believe this is a real thing? Yes. What do you think y'all paid Mr. T? I don't know. We, I, I have no idea what we I'm sure we paid him. It had to be uh, five figures. Don't you think? It just seems like a waste. You know why? You know another reason it seems like a waste? We didn't do a fucking interview with him in the show. Did well, we? Did I miss it? But, what, we didn't. but here's the deal. He's trying to sell pay-per-view. So what does it matter? But he's a celebrity and he's got some notoriety and we ought to at least, and we showed Ric Flair with him. I mean, build the story. We showed that uh, camera shot of Ric Flair with him. Talk to Mr. T and ask him what that was all about. Have him talk about the match. If you're going to pay him all this money, hell, use him. Here's my thing. Like at this point, and don't get me wrong, Mr. T was a big deal way back yeah. in the day. Sure. Hey, he did Saturday night live. He did Rocky three, he did, you know, lots of other different strokes and Alvin and the Chipmunks, And, you know, of course he had some TV movies along the way, like the toughest yeah. man in the world. And he did, he was TV. on the A team, right? Yeah. And he did the yeah. TV series, Mr. T and a team was probably the high, but that was over in 87. And, and right. here we are, you know, seven years later. He hadn't done anything for a while, but I think he did a little TV show called T and T for a few years, but that ended in 90. Like the only thing he did this year, 1994 is a cameo on the television show blossom. And now we're paying him a bunch of money to come in here. And I don't know, like this to me just feels like Hogan going back to what he knows. And since WrestleMania got over and it was a big hit and obviously a game changer and Mr. T was involved. Well, we got to have Mr. T and Muhammad Ali, of course, also at that first WrestleMania, it's just weird. You know, Ali's at the first mania. He's here. Mr. T's at the first mania. He's here. And the entire promo as he's talking about being in this building, he's talking about being right up the street, dude, body slamming that mean, nasty giant. Well, your feelings are right, Conrad. Great shot there of staying in the reflection. Your feelings are right. We, uh, we, we, uh, kind of, um, tried to hearken back to an era that was gone to try to make it relevant and try to make what, uh, in other words, look, I, I, I think it's a, a valid point that we, that nostalgia wasn't as big back then as it is now, but now we take nostalgia and we kind of, uh, tip our cap to it, but we don't make it our driving angle. Does that make sense to you? We don't make it our main event. Right. You're Kevin Sullivan barking in the background. No. Okay. I sure do. Jesus. Muhammad Ali watching on. 
I think we mentioned that Willie Stargell was there. And we mentioned that uh, Hank Aaron was, was there. And I don't think we showed either one of them, which would be a very WCW thing to do. Hank Aaron's here and you didn't show him? Yep. And, of course, Willie Stargell was there as well. I mean, we, we mentioned that. We showed Thomas Hearns. We had him come out and say a few words while I was rapping. But, uh, and Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron was a frequent visitor to our shows because Hank was, uh, was a fan of ours. There has never been a nicer gentleman in this world than Hank Aaron. Just a humble man who is one of the great athletes of all time. Just amazing stuff. Oh, is he going to zip himself here? There he did right there. All right. Uh, Dave would say it was funny to hear Oakland on the broadcast. Talk about Willie Stargell and Hank Aaron as being there when they weren't, they weren't, uh, although Aaron was scheduled and canceled at the last minute. All right. I thought He's, he was there. Here's what he said. He said the announcing was fine for the most part. Bobby Heenan worked in what I was told extreme pain. The one negative is Heenan badly showed his age for making references to Detroit and bringing up names like Denny McLean, Gordy, Howe, uh, Alex Karras. Blah, blah, blah. So he's talking about maybe being out of touch and talking about the old school. Right. Well, that's a common criticism. You know, uh, Dave would often bring up how dated some of the references were because the announcers would talk about stuff that wasn't, you know, was maybe too old. Right. Did you hear those criticisms? And did you think there was anything to that, that, that maybe we're dating ourselves a little bit and we should make it about today and not talk about the old stuff? Yeah, that was a, that was a concern. I, I, I think, uh, I, I heard, of course I didn't read that stuff that Dave wrote and then those, those people wrote, but it always kind of floated back to me and, and I would hear it and I would think, yeah, he's right. I mean, we do that. We, we, we try to do some of that today on AEW, uh, but we try to do very, very limited stuff. Because just me and JR being there will bring you back. But Gordy Howe was way removed from 1994, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. We were talking about, yeah. So let's uh, talk about something else Meltzer said. He said, it's 1994, almost 95, a fact everyone seems oblivious to when the constant references were whether it would be Flair or Hogan that would lead wrestling into the 90s. Overall, I gave the show a thumbs up on Sunday night when it was over. By Tuesday morning, after thinking about it, it was a thumbs down. It was an entertaining show to me, but they promised as hyped, it was something as special and it wound up feeling far too ordinary. At Starcade 93, they had a chance to do something special and they didn't blow it. This time they did. And the decision-making process that went on before the show as to why they didn't blow it was the most disappointing part of the show. It was a one match card and the one match delivered for excitement. The last episode of a television series needs to be more than a bunch of laughs. You need to remember it the next morning with emotion. By that standard, the match failed. The show was average at best underneath with too many bad finishes. Maybe I was influenced initially by seeing most of these same guys in an awful house show last week and all worked much harder and had better matches on the show. My reaction to that is that Dave thought too much about it. 
He says, um, we'll talk about what he said about the match, but the next morning, thinking back on Flair's final match, once the angle that was shot yesterday and forgotten by the day it came out and went, the only impression one could get was that Flair was done and there was nothing special done to make it memorable. A bunch of jumbled bullshit that was exciting that had no bite. Nothing worth remembering out of Flair's last trip down the aisle, even though he himself put on a good performance. Flair likes to think of himself as a great sports star. He deserves to be in the company of a Larry Bird or Magic Johnson because in an athletic profession, he was the single best there was for more than a decade. Yes, it's a fixed and choreographed world, but a still competitive, highly competitive athletic arena. And there were those blessed with more ability, but none worked harder, more often and longer, both in and out of the ring. Unlike many others who weren't as good and few were as good or lucky and very few that work hard. He in turn got what he deserved out of the business in terms of fame, money, and reputation. Even Larry bird and magic Johnson can never boast of being the single best in their profession. Nine nights out of 10 for a period of more than 10 years, but no company was lucky enough to have a Larry bird or magic Johnson, whatever, send them on their way in such a pitiful manner, not for them. It made me laugh when people after the fact complained Flair deserved better even though for all of his hard work and all he meant to a company that wouldn't even exist today without him. Sure. He did, but if he wanted it bad enough, he could have gotten it. His fans deserve better on this night because they make up a sizable, perhaps majority portion of the record revenue. This company will derive from the event. It was they not flair who felt spit on Sunday night. In most cases, their careers of emotionally sports the careers emotionally of sports heroes mean more to their fans short for fanatics than they do to the person themselves. If you read this publication, you should realize pro wrestling is just a business and a form of entertainment. Some wrestlers are excellent athletes and some are excellent entertainers and very few are both, but neither of those traits make individuals worthy of, uh, idolatry. It's also undeniable whether worthy or not. Being an idol is bestowed upon them by their fans because usually luck and being in the right place at the same time. And sometimes because of their talent, but to fans, it's not complicated. Most fans of any entertainment form are wrapped up and mainly rightly or wrongly idealize their favorite in that entertainment arena. Now that that's all said and done, Ric Flair is nobody to feel sorry for. He got a great contractual deal at a time in his life that should mean a lot. All he had to do was lose one wrestling match. It was forced on him. Yes, but it was a business decision where they stripped him of something that he didn't deserve to be stripped of, but paid him well in doing so. If he doesn't come back, he got a million dollar payoff in essence, even if it's spread over a few years, as much confident as he had in his ability, he would have never dreamed when he broke his back in 72, or even when he won the title in 81, that one day when he was 45, he'd get a million dollar payoff. With all the houses he'd drawn and all the matches he'd had, he'd never seen a payoff of more than $25,000 as late as 1990. The people feel sorry for are Ric Flair fans who supported him against all odds. They were told to not support him when he was never allowed to look good in his role. And was his role was to make those less talented look good, but his charisma and ability and above all else work ethic kept those fans loyal to him because they knew he was the real star with the real ability. 
He had the most loyal fans in the business because no script writer gave them to him. And no matter how hard they tried and they tried as hard as they could, they could never take those fans away from him. The only illusion involved with his fans is that they are the ones who tried to create the show that weren't there. And if there was one thing they had in common, it was by idealizing what flair supposedly stood for hard work and building drama every night. It was hating what it didn't hated those achieving success without willingness to put in the hard work by simply being in a position to take and never having to give. And more than any other wrestler, maybe ever flair, never let his fans down when it came to personal effort. It didn't matter what the finish was booked. It didn't matter if he was sick or on the road, 30 days straight. If he was injured or had a terrible opponent, or he was up all night the day before partying. He never claimed an excuse and he never needed one. He never let them down until the end. And then he did big time by being the job boy to the only wrestler that could never accept him sacrificing himself for where Rick flyer missed the boat on Rick flair is that flair versus Hogan was not a fake wrestling match to his fans where he could lose. And it was okay because he carried another less talented performer to heights. He couldn't reach on his own. It represented a lot of things to a lot of different people on both sides of the coin. So he's breaking down, you know, how serious this is, the decision to retire and this stakes match here. And even though he's putting over how strong flair was as a performer, he's also very critical of him sort of selling out for this position. In hindsight, we realize Meltzer's probably overreacting because Flair's not going to be retired for very long, but at the time. Nobody knew that. And I, I like what he's saying about, you know, these fans who are here as WCW fans, most of them are here because of stuff that Ric Flair has done, not Hulk Hogan. Um, so what's the upshot should have Flair gone over here. I, I don't, I don't get. Well, I mean, or should the match not even have been booked this way? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the criticism is it shouldn't have been booked as a retirement match, but I think Bischoff and his obsession for stakes, he wanted, you know, a match of consequence. Yeah. Look at this crazy woman. Dude, look at her go. I know. So process what we got going on. Ooh. Mr. T. Oh, there we go. There you go. That's a pretty good shot. When I was 13, I was all about that. I bet you were. Jimmy's like, a woman's dress. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Lord, we should airbrush this. I could airbrush this and put beans and taters on it. Dude. Wow. This is pretty good shit here now. Sting has pulled a woman down by her hair What? and a guy with a black mask on and a lead pipe is now it's the fucking black scorpion. He will not leave sting alone. What the fuck? (laughs) She's fucking nuts, buddy. She's on top of the goddamn cage. Look at her. It just jumped right off. And he didn't give a fuck. No, he just acted like nothing happened. All right. This is my favorite. Favorite. My God. 
What are we doing? Look at this. She's taking off some shit too, isn't she? Convoluted. She's taking off some shit. And we, what do we have in the hard camera shot? We got the ass of the mass man in the hard camera shot. Sherry's going to handcuff. Yeah. And they'd been teasing that Mr. T might be turning on Hulk Hogan here. Right. By the way, they go 19 minutes and 25 seconds. Do you want to guess what the uh, rating for this one was? Uh, don't tell me it was a dud. Four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. All right. So the, the stars are four and a quarter, but Meltzer the day l- later gave it a thumbs down. See, again, I'm telling you, Dave thought too much about this. Y- your, your thumbs up or thumbs down is based on what you felt right after the show ended. Not the next fucking day. After you got a call from Flair or whomever, whoever helped you uh, come up with your ideas. By the way, Flair uh, or, or Meltzer would write, Flair should have retired in Charlotte last December because the final memory is one that lasts a lifetime. No. He'll probably return and the David Copperfield Act will be forgotten. But in the event he doesn't ever wrestle again, one last thing needs to be said. Thank you. Did Meltzer really think that Flair would never wrestle again? I mean, did you hear the way he wrote? I mean, oh, yeah. for uh, you know what? Meltzer's working us. He's working his readers. No one believed Flair would never wrestle again. No one. If Meltzer did, he was the only one. Why'd he even put that if? I got to Next time, I, is Dave coming to StarCast? I don't know. Because I got Dave, did you really think at the end of Halloween Havoc 94 that Flair would never wrestle again? You put if. Was there some doubt in your mind? There was no doubt in anyone's mind. I, I, I think this is, it was a thumbs up show. Leave it at that. Don't, don't overthink it. Did you, did you leave the show thinking, hey, that was pretty cool. Then that's thumbs up. Not the next day when you have to think about, did he really wrestle his last match? No. Of course, he wouldn't go to Wrestling's last match. Other than that, though, Sherry's pretty uh, provocative, don't you think? I I just can't believe that Hogan's... I mean, he just kicked a woman in the face. Well. No, he gave her the big boot. Well, what's the difference? Oh, he's hulking up! Hulking up! Hulking up! Oh, go point him. No, no. Flair said no. He blocks it. Boom. Locks it. Boom. Boom. One, two, three, right? Here it comes. The leg. The leg. Come on. Put it near Mr. T. Drop the leg. Wake up. What? Okay. One, two, three. Oh, my God. You think Flair's career is really over, Conrad? Well, Meltzer would report two weeks beforehand. The final matches for Flair in the Carolinas were October 6th in Greensboro and 7th in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh-huh. In Greensboro, when they announced the pay-per-view match and the career versus career steps, the crowd didn't even react to the announcement. Yeah. Because they knew. Also, not a, go ahead. Not a bad effort for Eric to for the stakes. Okay. I'm sure there's some people out there that thought maybe Flair's gone. 
but no one believed it in, in the, in the wrestling world, a retirement match never really met. Was there ever a retirement match that really ever stuck? No, not that I'm aware of. So. Look at that lady in the front row, dude, with the Hulk real shirt pointing uh-huh. to Ollie and Well, you got to agree two major stars there, right? Hogan and Ali together. What if Hogan was to say, brother, why don't we have a boxing match right now? Put his gloves on and just punch Ali in the face. (laughs) We could draw some real money, brother. One last match. Muhammad Ali, Hulk Hogan. Do you realize I've just, I've just, uh, moved my, uh, the mouse on my computer over there. Still about nine minutes to go in this fucking show. Yeah. What the fuck? Nine minutes to go in the show. Well, let's talk about a few other things. Um, please God, the front row was $500 for the show. Okay. And ticket holders got their photos taken with Hogan and Muhammad Ali and some personal autographs and all the money would go to Ali's charity. So, I mean, really, when you think about it, a front row show to a pay-per-view and you get your picture with Hulk Hogan and Muhammad Ali, and you get autographs from both. And by the way, it's all for charity. That's a hell of a deal. Is it not? Yeah. That is big time. A hell of a deal. They sold three. Are you serious? Yeah. They sold three. Yep. Around the same time too, Hogan was a topic on a, uh, cable sports talk show in Chicago where Vince McMahon is being interviewed. And he says that, uh, Hogan had always told him he would never work against him. And he can't understand why his friend would go work against him in the minor leagues. Wow. Oh, that's why the angle is not over. Do you know who it is? I don't think it's Arn. Did we unmask him? Do I remember? Yeah. Okay. We're setting up Starcade 1994. Right. He needs to know the identity of this masked man who's been trying to ruin his life. Okay. And take his title, cost him his career. The cartoon wind up of the punch, dude. Where are you you at on it? Uh, it's, it's to me like flair flipping over the top turnbuckle. It's part of the gimmick. Here we go. It was brother brood out this whole time. Can you believe it? Drama. Tremendous. We should mention Rick Rude filed a $630,000 lawsuit against WCW stemming from his departure and his injury. And, uh, that's not great. No. Talk to me a little bit about Mark Madden and Gene Okerlund. Apparently they were having some moments where Madden wanted to, uh, do certain things on the hotline. Okerlund wasn't a big fan of, and eventually Okerlund wanted him thrown off. And 
apparently Eric Bischoff stops that, but asks him to be a little nicer to Oakland and Oakland is going to continue to listen as Madden is just ripping him. Uh, what do you think about the Mark Madden, Gene Oakland situation? Well, I, I think Mark was told to to come in and be as opinionated and be as uh, controversial as as he could. And I think you and I know Mark very well. He's going to do exactly what he's told to do. Uh, and then they backed off on it a little bit. Mark, you know, Mark, to me, Mark was a great heel because that was his persona. It was real. And it was all a work to him. And he would push the envelope to the point to where he would piss people off. And I, I, I often was, I often wondered why people got pissed off at Mark within the business. Gene being one diamond Dallas page would get pissed off at him as well. Were things that, that he would say, but he was a heel. All right. That was his character. So earthquake, the former earthquake is here. Oh, and here comes Sting coming to make the save, attacking Kevin Sullivan on the outside, climbs the top rope, coming right down on John Tenta and Brutus, the barber beefcake. This is, uh, this is leading to the dungeon of doom, isn't it? It is indeed. Yep. And this is a big signing for them, you know, to have Tenta come in. Of course, again, going back to what Hogan knows. Yeah, right. He headlined uh, SummerSlam. 90. It was a co-main event, Rick Rude and ravishing, ravishing Rick Rude, challenging for the world title with the ultimate warrior and a steel cage. And then also earthquake and Hulk Hogan after that big angle where he attacked him and left him laying on the brother love show, huge opportunity here for him and good for Tenta for finding uh, a new gig here. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's also rumored that since Flair has to retire, Sherry Martell has nobody to manage. So Meltzer would freestyle. They'll probably just put her with Steve Austin. It's a work, Dave. She's going to have a job. It's a work. Give everybody the uh, time code here. Okay. The time code that I have is 238, 50, 51, 52, 53. Four, five, six. Well, so we got up about four minutes to go on the show, three minutes and some and change and stings helping Hogan up. So, yeah, uh, I, I think that just a feeling here, the, the, the actual shock value of brother Brutai being the, uh, guy in the mask was pretty cool. The drama that was pretty cool, but Hogan and Brutai, I don't know if no, anyone really wanted to see it. Right. Right. In other words, the payoff was, in other words, is, Oh my God, it's brother Brutai. But uh, do you want to see the match? No. What an interesting time to go back and look out because, you know, just two years after this, the NWO is running rough shot and then, it's a whole new world. By the way, the Wrestling Observer Reader poll that's got 30% thumbs up, 49% thumbs down, 19% thumbs in the middle. The best match, and it wasn't close, is Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan with 119 votes. Second uh-huh. best is Dustin and Arn, which got 20. 
The worst match, also not close. It's Kevin versus Dave Sullivan. 91 votes there. Yeah, the reader pulled right on. And, of course, a lot of the readers of Dave Meltzer's uh, newsletter back then hated Hulk Hogan. So anything that put Hulk Hogan on top at the end, even though, as you can see, he's being helped off here, it doesn't look like he's up top. But in, any any show that had Hogan on top at the end would probably get a thumbs down from Meltzer's readers. Well, Tony, this show hopefully didn't get a thumbs down from our listeners. We appreciate everybody tuning in to uh, Halloween Havoc 1994 today. We've got lots of fun stuff coming your way as we march towards the end of the year. Coming up next week, Halloween Havoc 1996, which is uh, such a great show, a great undercard, uh, big names in the main event, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. And you may remember, this is the show where Hulk Hogan has a hairpiece. I'm sure we're going to have fun with that. Wow. We uh, really are. We've also got November to remember 1999 coming your way. November 6th on the 13th. It'll be clash of the champions 25 on the 20th. It'll be clash 13. And then we'll finish out November with something. I know you're going to be excited about Starcade 84. We're going to do that one on November 27th. Wow. I am excited about that one. Starcade 84. Woo. You're talking about going back in time. Can't wait. Well, Tony, when I look at my clock, I feel like it's about that time. Uh, you're exactly right. But look, Conrad, would you look in the ring? Someone has left a trail of Reese's pieces in the ring and making his way to the ring. No, it's not ET. It's that fucking Casio kid. And right next to him is that dumbass Doug Markham. They are picking up Reese's pieces and they're eating them as they come to the ring. And now they walk into the ring and they're showing us their artwork. My God. They got hand turkeys, but they look like pumpkin dicks. What's going on? We are desperately out of time. We'll see you next week on What Happened When. We're on the MLW Radio Network. But on Mondays, we're always on Patron. I'm Doug, man.